Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yeah, what up? We got DJ D Miles. What's good? What's good? Jamie the Great is MIA. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> nah, dude's in LA doing his thing. <laughs> um, this show's presented to you by DJ City. Big shout out to DJ City. And uh, we got a special guest uh, by way of the UK. Our first international DJ, I guess besides DJ Marvel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Straight mm-hmm. from overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, your resume is insane. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I can even list everything, but um, we got DJ Yoda in the building. Yeah. Yo, what's up? Good to be here. It's good, man. I'm jet lagged. You're jet lagged. Oh, yeah. Still, I've had a huge breakfast. <laughs> huge American style breakfast. That's you guys good. just have insanely huge <laughs> breakfasts here. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. You guys don't eat like that in the UK? No, we do not. No. Like, yeah, you, you're like, I mean, what we had this morning was like, yeah, you wouldn't, we got, you wouldn't we, get that in the UK. It's shout like to Mike. We got Mighty Mike on the sidelines over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> they got Mighty Mike. What did Mike, what did Mike feed you over here? He found Pause. me some spot that was like, what was it, man? It was it was good. It was like some like not chain shit. It was not some hotel shit. It was like real Vegas Where'd you shit. take him now? The coffee pub on Sahara, you know it? No. I don't. Nah, I don't know. No. That's why. So you had like the, the waffles? No, the no. I went in with the Huevos Rancheros, man. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. They probably bought this big skillet out with all that shit it's on it. It's just a lot of food. It's just generally <laughs> here, man. It, you, this, the amount of food in this country is bewildering for a Brit. Okay, yeah. we're already, yeah. we, he's already started on the shitting on US. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> this is what I'm here for, man. <laughs> like, you have to he's understand. already shitting on the US. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Get comfortable because this is, this is what this is going to be all about, man. Yo, we've, yeah. we've only been, like, we've paid back for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> been in the UK this week. <laughs> yeah, man, this, this is why I'm here. Yeah, this is the payback. Don't get us started on Brexit, man. We, if oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. got Trump, they got Brexit. They it's got true. a whole different right? thing. We got our, our own Trump situation. You got your own problems right there. No, 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 but there's a, a definitely a food obesity problem here with the servings and it's just crazy. It's insane, yeah, man. Yeah. But just the like the way that you, food is set up here, it's 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 just crazy. As a European coming here, it's crazy. It's mm. it's like watching insane people. But it tastes different out here too, right? Doesn't yeah. it taste like it's just the actual produce is different. So like the vegetables that's going into your shit, the eggs that's going into your shit, it just tastes different straight away. And because I do a lot of travel, I notice that around the world. Like for me, Australia, the food is incredible. Every time I get there, the first like apple I have, I'm like, holy shit, this apple, like taste of apple so strongly. Right. It, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. And a lot of Europeans are very snobby about American produce. They mm-hmm. say that they come here and the vegetables just taste like water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Because it's, it's fuck yeah. with. There's all these pesticides yeah. and shit. Yeah. Unless you're getting organic, yeah. you know, it's not going to even taste that way. But yeah. it's all types of fucked up. Yeah. But once again, Especially he's, sh- in Vegas, he's so. shitting on American food <laughs> now. <laughs> Here's the beginning now. Okay. No, I'm, yeah, because I'm British, I'm going like, to shit on you politely. Yeah. <laughs> You'll make it sound good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, like the, the British, they're so masterful of the English language. Uh-huh. We came up with that shit. Huh? <laughs> we came up we with came that came up shit. with that shit. So <laughs> I think I've been in the UK. I've been in London like twice. Right. And everyone's like super polite and nice. And but there, there are subtle ways when they, they are kind of shitting on oh, you. Oh, yeah. Like, for instance, yeah. in London, excuse me means fuck off. Really? Like it, oh. it, you're on the tube, you're walking down the street in Oxford Street. Like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me is get the fuck out of my way. But right. it's just the polite British way of <laughs> saying. Wow, that's yeah, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to ask for directions. I remember at one point and this dude just went on this like, I don't know, 20 minute 
like instructional manual and i was like yo man this is fucking crazy i'm like you guys it's too good at the language you're just like showing showing off at this point it's like well you're gonna go roundabout and you make a left here and then you're gonna see this blow up here and then you're gonna make a right and then turn around tartly and then i'm like what the? i'm just yep. like just first of all left right left one right two rights left your, your british accent's better than mine <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Mice British accent. I, I mean, are you prepared to do that on, on mic? It's, it sounds Australian. This is crazy. Man. <laughs> He's doing like the good day, mate. No, but you thing. do. No, you do the like Cockney kind of. Oh, all right, mate. Hello. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. No one I know speaks like that. Like. No one. But it's still, at least it's like a version of a British accent. <laughs> um, Let's see. I mean, your resume is crazy. You're on BBC Radio, right? Every once in a while. You, yeah, every you once. Do I don't have a show, but like mm-hmm. I'll do mixes for them the whole time. And then you, you judge for the DMC World Finals. I did right? that for a period of time, like yeah. three, four years. I don't. I mean, you I, won the DMC. Uh, okay, but that. Okay, so I, I guess if you look up my bio somewhere, it says like one, one DMC. Well, you, you were like the DJ of the year for, for yeah, the scratch it, category. But right? it wasn't a battle. Like I never battled mm-hmm. ever in my career. So I'm like. I, I'm guessing most people that this won't won't really be aware of me. I'm surprised that you guys even know who I am because I have this mm-hmm. kind of like situation where I get to DJ around the world, excluding America. Mm. So, I'm like, well, I mean, I think everyone knows of you. Like they've everyone like your name is around, yeah. But like no one has the details of of what what is behind. It's never you know? although I spin out here maybe like once a year. It's weird gigs. It's small gigs. It's not like I right. do in the rest of the world. And I've just accepted a long time ago. This it's not going to work for me in America. <laughs> really? And the reason for that, that is because. I'm like a white British dude playing hip hop. It doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of white, I mean, white people playing hip hop. Mm, <laughs> <Exactly. yeah. laughs> There's a, one uh, semi-British dude is Mark Ronson, right? Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he's, he's made <laughs> quite a career of it. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, uh, to me, it always felt weird. I mean, I played in New York. See, that's another British. He was subtly kind of dissing U.S. <laughs> I know, right? I was never paid. I'm not made. For, I'm like, you know, like I'm in another. I'm a little better. Than, I'm a little better than the, to be DJing in the U.S. Yeah, I don't I really. Just, I don't want to climb downstairs <laughs> into the basement into the U.S. market. <laughs> I'll stay up here. You know, you guys see through my uh, shit too yeah. too clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say that because you did last week. You did uh, OTR last night. You did on the record. Yeah, last that was night. cool. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, actually, I played in New York the night before last, and that was yeah. probably my best New York gig I've ever had. Where were you at in New York? Um, House of Yes in House Williamsburg. Yes. Okay, it's a very dope Brooklyn, venue. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. It, it was yeah. good. What for kind me. of music? Um, so actually, I slotted into a night that was like an all '90s night. Uh-huh. So they are, and I, I do these AV shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe about half the shows I do are with video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want that. That venue is great for it. The, how I decide whether to do AV or DJ depends on the venue. Like if there's a really good screen, then I do AV. Mm-hmm. I really learned that like it doesn't work to do the video stuff on just small little mm-hmm. plasma screens yeah, all around the ground. Right. You need like one cinema size screen. Mm-hmm. And this House of Yes venue has a really dope screen. But, but and with and with AV, just to clear it up, it's like DJing music videos and and kind of thing. Or well, how to ex- yeah. Okay, so what I do is a little bit different. I kind of got my own thing going on with it where I guess the way that I came up was making tapes uh, before all that video scratching technology existed, I would throw in movie samples to on top of the beats mm-hmm. that I was playing. Um, and so when those Pioneer DVJs came out mm-hmm. and you could scratch the actual movie yeah, itself, right. that felt like the natural next move for me. So I started coming up with these shows that were very, I would like play hip hop and then bits from movies on top of the hip hop and scratch 
my favorite bits from TV shows. And, and as it's gone on, it's got more kind of YouTube-y, that show. So I, don't, I kind of don't really play that many music videos. I play some, but I play a lot of just meme stuff and right, right. <laughs> just bits from movies that I like. Are you making your own edits with like songs yeah. and you're putting your own uh, visuals and, yeah. uh, and, and so stuff it's kind of footage? a lot of thoughts gone into it. There's yeah. Yeah. Edits. So doing like a two hour set is, I don't do yeah. the, the AV shows 90 minutes max. Not yeah. Yeah. Cause Cause that's I, a lot of work. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not so much the work. I'm happy to do the work. It's more the audience attention span mm, because when, and I run through yeah. music really fast when I DJ, like I play like eight bars and move on a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so a crowd doesn't want more than, I mean, really an hour is ideal for the, the AV stuff. Um, but for that New York show the other night, I was slotting into a, a all 90s night. So they asked if I could do an all 90s AV show. So it was a bit more music videos than I'd normally play. But it was crazy. It went off in there, man. It was good. Just, That's dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that was really good. You've done that. So you, uh, we're kind of going back into the 90s. Uh, you had a party, I guess you were attending the University of Warwick, right? Yeah, I mean, I started DJing at school. Um, and that's a good university. That's like one of the top 10 in yeah, the UK. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one, yeah. 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 <laughs> so then, and then you were like, a, you were called, you said you had a party that you started called Mojo or something? Yeah, um, yeah, that was like the, the, that Mojo thing existed at that university before I got there. But this, this really dates it. It was an acid jazz night. Acid jazz. Yeah. Okay. So they would play like. Seems about right for the nineties, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. What was it like? Us three. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, would you diggable planets? Yeah, Boy that's line? the same thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 That same kind t- of yeah, um, yeah. brand new heavies. Brand, brand new, new heavies. heavies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah, yeah. So that was what, what was going on there. The good thing is that that Warwick University, it's mm-hmm. like a like you say, like a high ranking university in the UK, but it wasn't cool. So there was no like, a lot of my friends went to maybe Manchester or Bristol or Brighton. These places, there's a lot of DJs, there's a lot of clubs going on. Where I was, there was nothing. So there was no competition. So it gave me the, like, I, I turned up, I was like resident. So you were like the coolest motherfucker there, yeah. starting your own party <laughs> exactly and shit. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I got all my practice DJing in front of a crowd during those three years, because I would just spin there every week and just mm-hmm. start to understand like how to work a crowd. So how were you getting vinyl? Oh man, um, in that era, I would go down to Soho in London yeah. on the sat- on Saturday mornings is when the US imports came in. So mm. you'd go down and like get treated like shit by the people that work in the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that part of the whole experience. So wait, what, what, what year was this around when you, well, when you were doing the I guess party? this was like... Because I want to know how dated, how long it took for a record to get to the UK. Oh, it was slow back then, man. Really slow. Uh, yeah, this was like 96 to 99. And you were paying, fuck, I mean, you guys had pounds. So you were paying like... Oh man, I mean, you know what was crazy was the like single? the import CDs, the albums yeah. mm-hmm. were like 30 bucks US back then. Mm-hmm. It was expensive, man. Yeah. Really. I mean, I think it was like that also. We used to get imports from England. We used to pay like 30 bucks for vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked the, work the other way around. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But the, what but shit from the UK were you? The, the funny thing is um, back then, um, certain labels, they wasn't releasing albums on vinyl, like um, Jive Records, like right. all the tribe, early Tribe albums. They wasn't releasing it on vinyl. Yeah. So you have to get the imports. Was a British import. Exactly, yeah. Before you know? the Jive American one came out, you had to say, okay, I need it early. Exactly, and it was costing like $30. Bucks Even the remix album, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That remix album they did with the... Yeah, the, yeah. All the, the, so Jive yeah. had the UK offices, and, it was, ah, and the offices were like one street away from where my best friend used to live, my other friend that was into hip-hop. And we always used to, like, we were young, right? we didn't understand it. We were like, so what, a Tribe Called Quest, like in London, recording, like, <laughs> down the road? How does that work? Like, it was, we, we didn't understand the Jive London connection thing. I still don't really, I mean... 
What, what was that jive outpost in London? Do you know anything about that? Houdini and Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince recorded albums there. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Houdini did their first album out there. Mm-hmm. Shit, we should just get Mighty Milo a fucking mic right now. I know, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> trying to lay in the cart and be subtle. But. So then, what were you playing at these parties? Just like '90s hip hop, like all. Yeah, that stuff? I mean, at the time, I remember. Like, what was the big? There must have been like the staple records. They're like Nas and Lauren Hill. Um, yeah, viral, viral world. Yeah, world. That yeah, was, yeah, it was that kind of era. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. kind of J. Rue. Uh, J. Rue the Damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was what I was playing, man. It's yeah. the boom oh, bap era. Yeah, yeah, the boom yeah. bap era. But my thing was always like. I came from that hip hop background, but I would very like throw in everything back then in a way that, and this is what I wanted to come and speak to you guys. Yeah. There's this whole like open format thing now. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just, this existed like in 96 in London and had, I've been doing that for 25 years. Yeah, man. I mean, they were just calling it like in the 2000s, they were calling it mashup. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Like it, they'd come up with a different name for it, but it's all just hip hop DJing. Like the, 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 yeah. the DJs that I was inspired by were like um, Riz, and spin bad yeah, shout to riz yeah, yeah. shout to spin bad yeah and i remember like riz had this mix where he threw in uh chris isaac wicked game mm. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and sade mm-hmm. and shit like that and he'd play that in between all the kind of 80s hip-hop stuff and that was the shit that really yeah it was amazing yeah. yeah yeah it was it even was the um uh cuba the the most famous cuba makes the demolition pumpkin squeeze you know the one i'm talking no, about no no i was i've never followed cuba you know that no it's like the most famous Cubert mix, but it was like all the ultimate breaks and beats. But he mm-hmm. was throwing the movie samples, Wild Style or whatever, on top of on top of the beats. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was that and uh, uh, and Spinbad doing the '80s mix. That was like a huge thing for mm-hmm. me because I mean I went and did a whole mix like an '80s. How that to was cut like, that was a big yeah. deal. I mean, it was the greatest shit about hip hop, and I don't know where it kind of ch- it started changing. Partly in the 2010s, mm. the greatest shit about hip hop was how inclusive it was. To like all genres of yeah. music it was like that's why like in the 90s maybe 90s to early 2000s mm-hmm. when you were a hip-hop dj you played everything yeah yeah like you played reggae you played 80s you i played mean it goes right back to right? like the uh, cool herks and africa bambatas yeah, and yeah. all of that like yeah. hip-hop yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. playing yeah. country and movie soundtracks and yeah. just whatever just playing good music yeah, yeah just playing good music and yeah. the way that you play it makes it hip-hop exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah and that was the kind of i just stuck to that principle from the day i started yeah. and the thing is and the whole thing about hip-hop is that if you find a dope break or a dope section of any record, whether it's rock, it could be the Eagles, it could be like, uh, you know, Leonard Skinner, it could be anything. Could be Clearwater. Yeah, it could be yeah, anything man. as a Pink Floyd or whatever the fuck. If mm. it was just dope and it hit, exactly, and you, and you could just bring and double up and bring it back, it was hip hop. And know? that's the, that is the way that I always played. Yeah. Even back then, like uh, I would do, like in in those kind of mojo days you're talking about, I would play all that kind of like mm-hmm. premier stuff, Crooklyn Dodgers, or kind of, but then I'd go into an 80s pop bit. There's right. always a big drum and bass thing in the UK. And the tradition was always that like, if you're playing every kind of music, drum and bass came at the end. The last half hour was always jungle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was like the transition to that. You'd find the halftime hip hop stuff that would work with that. And, and you just turn up at the end yeah, with yeah, the drum and yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, you were doing this 90s party and then you kind of like towards the 2000s, you linked up with uh, what is Antidote Records? Yeah, I mean, so when I when I came I was born and raised in London mm-hmm. the Warwick thing is like a couple of hours outside of London right when I came back to London uh, I hooked up with um, well we used to make this magazine Fat Lace magazine Fat it was Lace me Lace. Dan Greenpeace and a bunch of other people it was like this kind of um, satirical hip hop 
magazine where we basically just took the piss <laughs> really, really? Bad, yeah. I mean it's the kind of thing that we felt like we could get away with it because we were across the pond and it was like a so newsletter and you just no it's like a magazine magazine, magazine. So yeah. you always just talk shit about rappers yeah, yeah. essentially <laughs> I mean we, we had like give us an example of something I'll give you an example yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I did an uh, article in one of the issues that was like because I have a theory about this what? that's it but good yeah, yeah. Um, I did one article that was like the top 10 ugliest MCs <laughs> 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 and then like so there was this this big hip hop night in London called Scratch that I was DJing at one time and whoever was in town from the US would come up and you'd get surprise people like every week mm-hmm. and it, one of these nights uh, was the the week that that issue of Fat Lace came out so I was backstage and we were handing out this magazine to everyone and Black Eyed Peas turn up like unannounced uh. whilst we're handing this magazine out and, and, and my article and the, the Mexican dude from the, <laughs> <laughs> the black wait wait who's the Mexican <laughs> I don't even know what he's called um, is it Apple the app I don't know is he Mexican I thought they were Filipino I thought they were all uh, Filipino yeah you know what I'm probably just calling him Mexican <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse I called him ugly and then I called him Mexican too <laughs> oh man hey, yeah. <laughs> In the UK, yo, man, y'all gotta, y'all gotta understand how we do shit in America. You can't just call. Yeah. <laughs> Various ethnic people, Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So we were like handing out this magazine and he's sitting there flicking through the magazine and I'm like, oh no, don't turn to this page, man. This is, this, oh, I don't want to get like beaten up by the black IPs. That would be not a very good look. No, they probably wouldn't beat you up. They just right? like, uh, they like outdance you or something <laughs> with some shit. <laughs> funny. But yeah, that was the vibe of Who was number one? Do you remember? <sighs> Well, he did, Dan, I mean, I, mean I, list? I, I really hate to say it because he's died now, so it feels like a I mean, bad oh, to man, say. It. I know. Just gotta say, rest <laughs> Let's in peace. See, see him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Let's not say it. Let's not say it. CM. Yeah. CM. Flavor in your ear. Oh, <laughs> oh Craig Mack. Craig Mack. Yeah, rest in peace. Oh, thanks for saying <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, CM. <laughs> yeah, that was the vibe of Fat Lace magazine. We'd, and I think we felt like we're not going to get shot because we're in London. So yeah, we can no say what we like, yeah. But yeah, that that wouldn't pass in the, in, uh, in in New York, York. Yeah. yeah, or in America. Yeah. I know, and there were some, but I mean, not with me. Some of the other guys that the, the guys that actually set up the magazine, there were some some stories. So how many that, how yeah. many issues did you guys last? Oh, it must have been like a 10, 11, 12, something. Oh, like that. that's yeah. pretty good. Um, that's like a year. Is that like one a month? No, nah, it was too. It was more sporadic than that, man. It was <laughs> something <laughs> like a two year. Yeah, one every six months or something. I don't know. But you can look them up online. They're they're actually really funny. Like, really, and it was what was it called? Scratch. No, it's called Fat Lace. Fat Lace, yeah, Fat the, Lace. the club night was Scratch. The, the magazine was Fat Lace, and then most of us that wrote for it also wrote for Hip Hop Connection magazine, mm-hmm. which was the big, longest running magazine in London, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it was actually, I mean, I think he claims that it was the first hip hop magazine. Before the source. Before the source. Really? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like a couple of months. Yeah, wow. not by much. Um, but I used to write the- I don't know if Shecky would like to hear that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he's aware of that. I'm sure Shecky's aware. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I would write the DJ page for that magazine. For years, I did that, like review wow. mixtapes and talk about DJ tech stuff and everything. But this is like the year 2000. Um, mm. So I guess we all did that for like our proper job. And then the Fat Lace thing was just for fun. Just for the, on the yeah. side. That's, like, yeah. that's crazy. And then wait, but this is kind of around the time when you started like your infamous cut and paste mixtape, right? Yeah, so what I was doing during this time was making mixtapes, selling them in all the local stores in London, and then I started copying up tapes myself and sending them out all across the UK and Europe, and then it started, you know, the first run of tapes was like 50, then it was 200, then it was 5,000. By that point, it it was like this record company, Antidote, got in touch with me, and they were like, do you want to do an above-the-board kind of legal 
mix. Right. So mm-hmm. that's where those um, how to cut and paste. Can mixes. you explain what the the first one was based on? Like, what were the songs and what, what were you doing? Oh in there? man, I, I mean, this we're talking about. I don't even know what year that first one came out. Maybe two thousand and one or something. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I I don't go back and listen to any of these things, and mm-hmm. I do something different every year. So right. here we are, like twenty years after that, and I I swear I can't even remember what's on that. Really. Mix. I, I would guess that stuff like I play a lot of kind of um, just funk break stuff that hip hop had sampled, uh, throw in movie samples, TV samples on top mm. of it, and then maybe play like whatever the kind of backpacky hip hop of that era was. So I guess Mad Lib type stuff, right, 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 like Fat Beats records kind of yeah. shit. Yeah, like, I mean yeah. Th- there was a few groups that were inexplicably really big in the UK mm-hmm. that didn't hit the same way in America. So I would mm-hmm. put um, Ugly Duckling. Jurassic Five, Jurassic Five, mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of stuff. It's yeah. still people still love. It still goes down. Those guys kill it in the UK. Still, yeah, there's the, it's weird. Things, some things stick in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's it's wow. really crazy. Uh, I was talking to Blind earlier. He was just saying like the Asia and the Europe market, the world market itself, is completely different from yeah. America. Yeah, I can and see they that. just gravitate to certain things and like the the level like because he's able to tour with like Farrell Monch. Uh, d- uh, digging in the crates mm-hmm. so Boogie Blind uh, DJs for Farrell Monch he DJs for Digging in the Crates he DJs with Finesse yeah. Lord Finesse and there's uh, this long standing career that they have in Asia and Europe so and the, the Asia. two uh, the only two kind of hip hop tracks on my new album one's with Ed O.G. from Boston Amazing. Yeah. and one's yeah. with Jungle yeah. Brothers and wow. both those all those guys they make all their their whole career is touring around Europe Wow. Shows in Switzerland and all this kind of stuff. There's big market for it. And it's, I guess if you kind of take a step back and think about it in the grand scheme of things, it's exactly what happened with blues, with all black music mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah. It just, Europe's weirdly kind of behind, but then they also kind of like cling embrace, on to embrace it. Embrace yeah. it a little bit longer than the yeah. States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was in London, everywhere I went, I went to Shortage. Mm. And I was like going to every vintage shop out there. I was just like going to every army surplus and every vintage shop. And every there's that one block that you guys have, right? In shortage that just has like a uh, brick lane, brick lane, yeah, yeah. and it has nothing but vintage shops. And every shop I went to was playing '90s R&B and early 2000s yeah. R&B, mm-hmm. and but they were playing it like like it was new. It was just like the, no, they were just it's playing the it like it was it's like the normal. It was just like like these are just classics like it was almost like it was like marvin Gaye r&b but they were just playing it like this right, is so, like you so know. last night uh yeah. on the record I, I played um what was the della soul track my um ring ring ring, ring, ring. Mm-hmm. great and, great track and there's this british girl in the crowd who knew all the lyrics and it's it, crazy it blew milo's mind he was like what's I was like, yeah, that's they, normal they, man they, like but they have <laughs> such a respect for the old music yeah. yeah yeah and it's like when i was going back there there were like young people going through vintage but they knew the ashanti songs they mm-hmm. knew the lauren hill songs they mm-hmm. knew like glenn lewis mm-hmm. like they, like all of that shit like dwelle yeah yeah they mm-hmm. like that's what's playing in there it's like all this amazing amazing r&b that people just forget about yeah. and they're yeah. they still cherish it out there it's just kind of nuts and i've lost count of the amount of shows that i've done with della soul i mean it's, it's i just really? play with della soul like <laughs> yeah. they just it just it's continuous and even it's really funny i was like i was touring with ed og mm-hmm. the week before last and we we're traveling around the country we were going through this like tiny village in somerset which is west england is very rural kind of area mm-hmm. and there was this kind of village fair 
with a dog show and yeah. quaint kind of British countryside right. stuff with a talent show with all the school kids. And the school kids were all rapping on the stage, mm -hmm. but they were rapping like, like, yeah, like it's 1992, I guess. Really? And, was, and Ed OG was just watching this thing like, <laughs> what, what am I seeing? What's going wow. on? Here? Totally different from America. Yeah. yeah. Like their style of rap was very... Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, even the, it's like a cliche. It's, it's pretty painful to watch, to be honest with you, but it's, <laughs> it's like a, a place that's frozen in time. So, wow. so uh, you've done shows with De La Soul. So like you had an album, right? Uh, the uh, Amazing Adventures of DJ Yoda. I mean, if you want to like talk about what I've done chronologically, then I did those cut and paste mixes, yeah. which were the like. Um, well, no, we could bounce around. We can I bounce just, around, yes. But I want to just say that on that album, you had Biz Marquee, you had Jungle Brothers, like you spoke of. Yeah, man. You had Akinelli, yeah, uh, Princess Superstar. I recorded with you, like MOP, Action Bronson. Did you? I mean, did you link with all of these people? I mean, in the early like two thousands, did you link mostly from the magazine connects? Or? Uh, I had a club night in the in London called Spread Love, mm -hmm. and it was this it's was a great a, name for a party. I know, yeah, Spread Love. Yeah, I like it, that. Yeah, it was good. Um, and it was during that kind of ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one era, and just anyone American that was trying to get on in London, they would come and play that night. Mm. So I made a lot of connections doing that, mm. just putting people on, and the amount of people that slept on my sofa. Those days that right. now would never sleep on anyone's sofa. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. We like, had like, like who? Like we had like A Track, uh, mm -hmm. oh. Peanut Butter Wolf, Madlib, mm -hmm. um, all the scratch DJs, all you know. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I made a lot of connections with Americans during that era. I guess. How was the? I mean, you were DJing in London. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. How was the London scene in the early 2000s? You um, know, like yeah, the, the there was a lot of different camps. Mm -hmm. in that point now it's a lot more kind of everything's blended together but you would have like were you I'm, were you kind of like one of the no, pioneer hip-hop guys that no, were coming up no no i i've always just been like an island i'm like tread my own lane mm. like i'm on the edge of a lot of different things right but mm. i just done my own thing so i was i would definitely not put me in the category of the like big uk hip-hop stuff that was going on at that time even i don't really know why but i just i think because i refused to play just all boom bap I, w I was just as likely to play like when all the Baltimore stuff came out I was playing all that when, right, they, right. when there was yeah. that big baile funk Brazilian thing I was playing all that I was right, just right. Mm -hmm. playing all these different kinds of music I guess but there was a big like like for instance that acid jazz thing that was going on at my university mm -hmm. the the scene for that in London there was a big jazz scene Giles Peterson and uh, Monday nights at Bar Rumba and then that kind of like bled into the drum and bass thing and Metalheads Goldie uh, Blue Note like right, I don't right, know how right, much yeah. you guys are even aware of all mm -hmm. that but there was a lot of drum and bass um, and then there was like a big trip hop thing around that right. time yeah which was that. Ninja Tunes Mo Wax Cold Cut James Lavelle. And they were like very kind of head noddy boom bap stuff, but mm -hmm. with no MCs, which makes sense coming from London because we didn't have the rappers for it at that time. So people would just made the beats. What was, what was some of the trip hop that kind of leaked over to the US? There were some parties in New York like um, Milo left. Yeah. <laughs> he got bored. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to think who. Yeah, like, I kind of know what you mean. Shit? Yeah, the, like, the ja acid. No. The, uh, was it like sneaker pimps or some shit like that? That that was kind of like leaking over? <sighs> mm, not sneaker pimp, but... Um, there was a party, wasn't there? I, think, I feel like I it had like jazz or jazzy in it. Exactly, or, yeah. yeah. It was a big party back in like the mid -90s, early 90s, mid 90s, mm. all jazz, hip hop. 
But then like uh, DJ Shadow would fall into that category as well. Mm -hmm, and he would, mm -hmm. he would play those kind of things in London at that time. And there's always been a big kind of like, um, is it um is Massive Attack considered like um uh, that would kind of fall into the trip hop category the trip okay yeah but mm -hmm. it was never really kind of club music like that mm -hmm. I guess they were just more a live band okay yeah yeah but mm -hmm. yeah it, it would have done so you were just uh so you were like I was between all this stuff you yeah. were just moving around in yeah. genres and stuff like that and I still do I mean that's that's still me now like I just so do you consider yourself like a club DJ or you just you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I mean, <clears throat> kind of. It's I do too too many different things because. Excuse me. <clears throat> well, because yeah. I want to explain this because I have conversations with Rathacon ab about uh, some of the DJs in like you know in uh, I guess London or Europe, and he says they're very uh, they stick to one genre. Some and, and, do, yeah, and they kind of just like stay there and they stay in their lane and they be they they like just they they just. Yeah. I just do this kind of yeah. house. I'd only do this kind of thinking disco. about it. Like I'm the mm -hmm. I'm the you exception know. to that rule because most I people I know. I do hip hop. Yeah. I do reggae. Oh no, I'm, down to like know, in, you know. in the drum and bass world, there are some DJs who are known for playing jazzy drum and bass. Right, and that's and that's all they that's do. All they yeah. do. If you hear anything other than that, then the crowd are disappointed. Right, and I guess I just never wanted to have that problem that would bore me too much man i gotta because like, ellie escobar was talking about that he would go on world tours and ellie would come to like you know london or certain cities and they would want to hear the type of djing that his production kind of is yeah. kind of that similar to yeah. yeah yeah what he's known for and then you know ellie loves hip-hop too i mean he loves all that shit and he loves reggae he loves 80s he loves everything so when they hear him doing that they're kind of like what is this like this isn't yeah. this isn't the stuff you produce mm -hmm. yeah and, and the other know. big thing, obviously, in London was the Jamaican influence. And so right. I, I would rock all parties huge, of just dancehall. Huge West Indian like, population in the UK, right? Oh, massive. Yeah. 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 I, um, for the first time I went, I was really surprised. I didn't think it was that many. Oh, yeah. And felt, even yeah. outside of London, like Bristol. Uh -huh. Bristol in the west of England, like that's where that whole massive attack thing comes from. And mm -hmm. tricky. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would often just play reggae for like a whole set because crowds want that. Mm -hmm. yeah. they're, they're still happy with that I still like uh, 90s dance hall for like 45 minutes is perfect that's for me that's the shit right there yeah, no. yeah. 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 I can't really uh, it's it's funny how much 90s dance hall is so much more relevant now it's Moombaton it's yeah. the same it's, they all mix together I, I, that's what I do I do like a kind of but we won't, shabarangs and then a yeah, kind but of we won't play like old 90s like backpack shit but that reggae shit that yeah, shit still, still it's is timeless, still man. Rocks, relevant man it's yeah. I mean Chakadimus Ch and Plies is still like the yeah. <laughs> it's insane, yeah. that's like a top trump card right that's yeah. the word. I mean if we were going to go through a list of like you know the top 10 you've got to have like you know action rich girl murder yeah. she wrote murder she wrote yeah this is slightly you know? different to the UK Everyone falls in love. Mur Murder, She Wrote, yeah. But there were some that I think of as like American dancer ones and some that are much more okay, British. Okay, wait, wait. All right. Yeah. So what, yeah. are, what, are the, what is the British dance hall that's like um, staples? Beanie Man, Romy. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's yeah. up there, that's, yeah. Um, I would say... Um, like Infiltrate, all that. No, no, not so much. No, uh -huh. yeah, yeah like Mr. I, Mr. Vegas. That's like a little later. Mr. Vegas, late 90s, yeah, yeah, definitely. Shabba Ranks, Shabba Ranks, definitely. Yeah. Tingling, all that Banton. stuff. Yeah. Um, what was yeah, that? Tingling. Uh, oh no, who was that? Red Rat. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's all. And then the kind of like hip hop crossover stuff, the Supercats, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, okay. all, all those kind of like. Right, right. That I still mm -hmm. play that now. Like that to me, that's just 
If so I had to listen to one kind of music in the club, I'd go for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's just crazy how that shit still sounds relevant. I know. Even yeah. now, man. Yeah. It still hits. Like, even when motherfuckers go to a go-to reggae set, yeah. they're still pulling those. And then those you can do the, the, like, the, the bam bam rhythm. I'm trying to think about the newer dancehall stuff, whether any of it's going to stand the test of time like that. Because I play right? I play new stuff, but none of it I, I stopped playing after six months. It's like the borderline yeah. soca stuff that's really kind of that's that's lasted, like the Kevin Little. Yeah, that yeah. still yeah. That, that still works. Yeah. The Rupee, mm -hmm. yeah. that's kind of like be, you know borderline soca mm -hmm. reggae. Now you're probably a lot of Afrobeat. Yeah. In, I, in I don't know too much about it, but mm -hmm. I, I, what I, if I'm speaking to someone that does, I'm like, tell me the top kind of. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. This is what I do a lot in a lot of different genres. <laughs> I'm like, what are the best like uh, two or three, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the cream of the crop from everything. And that's the kind of way. One of our boy, uh, my, uh, close friend of ours is uh, Moma. He does everyday people. It's like a big, you know, uh, like African festival party, and he he'll go to London. And it's mm -hmm. a big market for him out there. Yeah, and I, I think I went with him to DJ. He was DJing some party and. Yeah, the whole night was just 90s and 2000s R&B. Yeah, man. Sunshine Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, all of that shit, all fucking night. And Damn. then he played maybe a little bit of Afrobeat <clears throat> here and there. Talking about that, like getting the best songs from each genre from people. Yeah. I played at a Ghanaian wedding uh, last summer, mm -hmm. and I don't know anything about Ghanaian music, but yeah. I, I spoke to a couple of DJs in, in the UK that I know, and they just sent me a list, just downloaded it all. And I played it blind, like not not knowing the songs, right. and yeah. killed it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an interesting experiment to just like play songs you don't know and watch them absolutely just crush. It's crazy <laughs> how like uh, like DJs help each other like that. We'll just yeah, like, yeah. send playlists and we'll send shit to people. But then there's also yeah. like a a line to be drawn of etiquette. Like in even in New York the night before last, the um uh, we were like sound checking beforehand, and the sound guy. Now I was having the conversation with the guy playing before me mm -hmm. in the club. And he said to me, is there anything you don't want me to play? And I was like, no, just do your thing, man. It's cool. And the sound guy was like, can't you just look at his Serato and see what he's going to play? I'm like, no, nah, man, this is, <laughs> there's, a, there's a line to be drawn. You can't do that. No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you're like, you share some tracks with people, but you would never let someone just scroll through your crates and just read everything in your. You know, what, there's some DJs yeah. that, that yeah, does that. Man. We've had that happen to us. Oh, I would. That, I would not be cool with that, man. I, I would. I would have to just be it's like, sorry. You know? I know yeah. some. I know some dudes that ask to see the, the playlist, the, right? The hist yeah, yeah history. the history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. Is I, that bad? I. I, I guess would we don't think okay it's. I mean, I, I don't know be, how I feel if, about if, it. If I was opening <laughs> and a headliner said, "Can I see your history?" I'd be like, "Yeah." Yeah, I guess it depends what you're doing. Like uh, most of the shit I play will not be the original versions of the songs. There'll be yeah. like edits, weird remixes, stuff that I've done, stuff that only a few people have. So I'd be like, I'd be touchy about people. Really? Yeah. yeah. So if I if we were DJing and I was like, can I see your history? You, I would say, give me a look. I'd say, what do you need to know specifically? Me, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. Uh, you do the British fuck you. And excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, he was so polite. He said, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, <laughs> but no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. That, I've but, done it before, yeah. I mean, have you done it? I mean, I have, like, um, I'm open for DJs. They'd be like, yo, can I see your, um, your list? And I'd be like, fuck it, go ahead, check it out. Yeah. But then they'll still play the shit that I already played. So what's the point of looking at my list Yeah. when you want to play the song that was played already? Well, a lot of the time, if I'm headlining in Europe, uh, the DJ before will say, you know, what do you want me to do? What shall I steer clear of? Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And I'm always that. I just say, do what do you. It makes no difference to me. Is I play there, enough different types of music. That is it, there a slight epidemic in 
London or Europe about openers just burning the headliners? Uh, yeah, that happens. Mm. But actually... So it's an international so, problem. No, yeah. that is a, <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's just not Vegas. <laughs> That's just like being a good support dj or not be, know your lane like understand right. the room that's that's a global thing man like and you get people but you, when you do find djs that do that it still doesn't work for them because you can't play big bangers at so that's early doors ready, anyway yeah, it's, it's not, not ready yeah. yeah they're not ready at all mm -hmm. so they find the karma gets them man let's find out the hard way yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny i i did a gig recently and the opener wasn't burning me but he was playing certain joints and like Plain Jane and mm -hmm. uh, Going Bad and just certain joints. And I, I've i actually done this thing recently where I, I head to the club at least an hour before my, my, my set time. Yeah, if you can do that, it helps. It's been yeah. so good. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Like, the worst is because I used to show up at the club 15 minutes before my set. And I'd just be really upset. And I'd feel like I was, like, out of the loop. And I'd feel, like, very... My like, I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's because there's no edge. connection. You're you're going in blind. You're like I'm going yeah. in blind, yeah. and then I'm getting like intimidated by the opener, and then I'm just like I don't know what's going on, and I'm just like you know what, fuck this. I'm not showing up 15, 20 minutes anymore. I'm gonna show up at least an hour, if not an hour plus. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna see how the night runs through, and that's been working out so fucking. Even when they burn me, I'm still okay because I'm like wow, this crowd wants this kind of shit mm. so i'm gonna but play like that i'll tell you, you know? a story of how that fucked me up this year though doing exactly mm -hmm. that i did a tour in australia and new zealand with uh newmark yeah oh yeah, yeah. great um, dj yeah who i hadn't actually seen play before i'd never kind of watched a whole set of his and what really blew my mind the first time i was saw he on him, vinyl or he was, he was on, on serato yeah, was. yeah um is he, i would probably say he's like the dj who's most similar to me in terms of what they play that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. So the nights where he was going on before me and I w went to watch his set, yeah. I'm like watch sitting there like deleting shit out of the crate as uh, he's playing. Like, I can't yeah. play that, can't play that. Oh shit, he's playing everything that I would play. Mm -hmm. and, it, uh, and one night, I think, it, I can't remember, Sydney or Melbourne or something like that. It threw me a little because I was like, I've watched too much of this and it's now affecting what, uh, it's stopping me from doing, doing me. Doing what you would do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I, and what I did instead, I was like, I probably overthought it a bit and thought about, okay, well, what can I bring to the table that he doesn't do mm -hmm. I guess the more mm -hmm. British stuff so I ended up playing a lot of like UK garage and grime and I can do that but it's actually not really me it's a bit weird mm -hmm. and, and then yeah. I've just made the whole night a bit weird so I did, um, maybe I overthought it but sometimes it doesn't help to watch the two before yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess what, how many dates did you have with him um, I guess 10 or something yeah maybe when you're not yeah that's probably I've been, I think it's been helping me when I go to a venue and I'm just I don't know what's going on yeah. and that's been helping mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I can see like sometimes when I work with you, like mm -hmm. me and Neva, we DJ a lot. He'll do a certain mix, and I'll be like, "Damn, man, that's good." Like, I think there's I, there was a certain mix you do with Hot Boy and uh, Young Ma, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it was like a lot. I kind of like let it, like I kind of blend them in, and mm -hmm. you kind of just drop it at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And I started doing his mix kind of like that, <laughs> and then it's like, and then when I'm DJing with him, I'm just like. Oh shit! Do I do his mix in front of him? Because <laughs> <laughs> his, his sounds a little well, better than I've mine. I've seen you know? a lot of people doing my mixes in front <laughs> in of me. In front of you? Yeah, I, I see I that feel, the whole time. I feel like you got to kind of acknowledge the person if they're there, right? Um, kind of be like, yo, I you got to like, tap them on the shoulder. Would, like, that would oh, be polite. Yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. polite. I mean, a lot of time I'll play like people's 
edits or remixes that, and they're in the room. And yeah. then uh, yeah, I'll be like, yo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind <laughs> of like that's a cool. salute. Yeah, it's a salute. But doing someone's, but doing mix, someone's yeah. mix is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see people do exactly Kind of that. be like, yeah, you want a shot? Thanks for yeah. the... Yeah, and some of it's idea. so specific as well. Because I, I throw in like curveballs a lot when I DJ, that's kind of my thing is like yeah, the yeah. curveball. I might go into like a country and western 10 minutes where I play like, I'll even play like bluegrass, like just wild shit. Just, wow, yeah, really? Yeah. And I've seen people do exactly that and play the exact songs that I play uh, before me so they literally just it's, they've I, seen uh, me play and just written it down it's done. funny I feel like with the new generation I feel like it's a compliment with the new generation maybe I think I think before maybe 10-20 years ago it was more like you're jacking someone's style yeah because we come more from that hip hop thing of like yeah, it's like yeah. me about don't look at my records yeah. you know, that's yeah. a very hip hop thing right yeah. <laughs> but for them I think it's kind of like wow I learned that mix from you yeah, and I'm doing, so I'm, and I'm, I'm doing. Paying, this paying is all respect. I know, and this is right now. I haven't really developed my own style, so I'm doing your mix. Yeah, quite possibly. It's still oh. fucking annoying if you're yeah. watching. Something. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts, you know. You're still like, excuse me. <laughs> so when you come to the U.S., like when you did Vegas, uh, I mean, you did uh, on the record last night. Mm. Is there? I want to know, like, do you uh, do you have anxiety about a U.S. market? Do you approach it differently? I used to. Yeah. I used to. Now I just feel much more comfortable in my lane, mm-hmm. and I know what I can provide. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to try and fit a square into a. So you don't try to whatever. tailor your set to Vegas or I try just, to do that. I'm too old now, man. Yeah. I, I've got various. I, the only thing that I would like, I just stay true to what I love, and I don't ever play shit that I don't love. But that's something you got to develop as as you. Uh, like towards when you get to a certain confidence i think it's an age thing it's an age thing because you know that like i've gotten this far doing what i do and if i lose anything yeah i'm gonna gain something i'm anyway i'm too late now to to, uh, like i i just have to be authentic above all else so for instance i have like a strict no drake policy Really? I, yeah. I, I can't play Drake. I just can't do it. Wow, man. Can't well, do what's it. the reason for that? I just don't really like the music. Really? Yeah. I just... You don't like the new Chris Drake, uh, Chris Brown and Drake? <laughs> <laughs> just came out? That I've been playing all morning? <laughs> I just don't feel it like that. Really? I just, and so it's inauthentic of me to do that. So I just... I won't yeah. do it. Really? I refuse to. Yeah. He's huge in the UK. I, yeah. I know. He's huge everywhere. It's just, I'm just being honest with my music taste. Wow. Yeah. And there are a few like that. that I have, uh, yeah, I've wow. mine some I pl- won't play Rihanna. Really? <laughs> I won't play Rihanna. What's wrong with the Rihanna do? <laughs> do venues get mad at you if you don't play? Like, no. Do managers come up to you and be like, yo, you're not playing So Drake. this is where you guys operate in such a, such a different environment to the one that I yeah, operate yeah. in. Mm-hmm. I don't, there is no culture of that in the UK or Europe that I've ever encountered. So There's no one's no going to come up to you and say, <laughs> no way, man. That this would be table wants Drake no, right now. Okay. Yeah, this guy's absolutely not. Grand. And if they do, I know I'm in the wrong place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and I, it would be soul destroying for me to do it any other way. If I, it, it you know, I, I do a lot of um, private gigs, corporate gigs, all that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. stuff as well. And if I've ever been in situations where they at all try and steer my, music policy yeah mm-hmm. i mean different like the new york thing the other night it's a 90s night okay cool I, I i love enough 90s music that i can slot myself into that but if i'm somewhere and i getting asked to play a certain kind of thing that's like a red flag for me i'm like oh this, i'm in the wrong place what, mm. why is someone trying to do that to me it's interesting <laughs> so wait, do you even have drink <laughs> in your laptop 
Huh? Do you even carry Drake? No, I don't carry Drake uh, for that exact reason. So <laughs> if someone is, says like, "Can you play Drake?" I'm like, I literally don't have it. Wow. So, but that said, <laughs> like <laughs> that said, in all honesty, what I will do if I'm in a kind of situation where <laughs> people can speak to me in the crowd whilst I'm DJ, the like number one rule for me is just agree with whatever the fuck anyone says to you. Yeah. Can you play? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That just gets rid of people the quickest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then if they come back, hey, you said you would play. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the mistake to make is to get into any kind of, no, I can't because I don't like Drake and I don't have Drake. I, yeah. you know, I don't, that, yeah. don't want the conversation. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. So in, in the UK, is it, is, it, is it very, it's not like a thing where the management or the owners or the promoters will affect the, the, what the music that the DJ is okay, playing? N- not just the UK, everywhere in the world. I mean, I play... I've played everywhere in the world. Like I played South mm-hmm. Africa, China, Brazil, yeah, yeah. everywhere. So that's a US thing. It's a. It's not only an entire US thing. thing yeah. I think it's a Vegas mm-hmm. thing. Oh, I think it is a US thing, but it, it, I think it's an entitlement thing. Or it's a, like it's a bottle popping club. Yeah, I mean, I played service. like I played like that kind of bottle service kind of places in Hong Kong or in Shanghai, mm-hmm. where the vibe is more like that. Uh-huh. But I would rather go there, piss off the management. And feel good about myself when I leave. Then, yeah. then mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I that. know, right? Shit, man. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. And by the way, uh, that's a very uh, Yoda thing to say, but I'm just saying. Where'd you get that name? Just from Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was uh, the first mixtape I made. I just didn't have a DJ name, and there was like a Yoda toy by my turntable. <laughs> it's a shit. I don't, I've always hated the name. I actually don't. So why you never changed it? Because it just got too late. I did too much. Mm -hmm. And then it was, (laughs) (laughs) I'd done a couple of side projects under different names, Mm. but, and this new album that I've done, it was the first time I've, this is my fourth album, this one that's just come out. And it's, I sat with, yeah, home cooking. Mm -hmm. I sat with it for a minute and thought like, maybe this isn't a DJ Yoda album because it doesn't sound like anything I've done before. Maybe I need to come up with a new name for this one. Mm -hmm. But, Number one, it's really hard coming up with a name. It's the fucking hardest thing of all. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, and number two, I just figured, I guess this represents progression. So whatever, it's DJ Yoda still. Um, mm-hmm. But the the name, people think I'm like a Star Wars nerd and I'm not. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, so, like, I've seen I'm, him and Yoda. I'm like, ah, this guy must love Star Wars. Because like, Nevis, Nevis the biggest Star I'm, Wars guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up with it like everyone our age did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had the toys, you yeah. know, but I'm not the dude that So knows you literally like, named yourself because there was a toy in Yeah, there was just la- lack of anything else. Wow. You're yeah. not standing on line for Star Wars movies just as no. a character. Fuck no. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Some cool Star Wars gigs it, over the years because of the name, though. Like I played oh, for yeah. George Lucas. and I mean, I saw your clip on, um, really? on your IG yeah. channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the recent one. He had the Stormtroopers um, dancing. Yeah, uh, John Boyega came up in the booth. He was like Instagramming himself with me playing fucking Vanessa Carlton. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) It was crazy. Uh, Yeah, J.J. Abrams was there. uh, Holy shit, And then I played the the, um, premiere of the the third one of the you know the shit trilogy the ones around the 2000. So oh the the last one um, yeah not the not the recent good ones the the last the, jo- the, the, the Char Char Binks ones yeah 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 <laughs> so I played the premiere of one of them and the whole cast was there George Lucas was there I get met, out of here I met George Lucas and all that shit just Holy because shit. your name was DJ yeah. Yoda yeah 
Wow. Mm. And so the whole th- it's, uh, there was a whole thing at one point when I started bringing out albums and everything, like, oh, you're going to get sued for being called Yoda. So I guess that the, the night that I met George Lucas and got introduced to him and then I didn't get sued, I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm okay. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, man. <laughs> he's, letting, he's letting you off. Yeah, well, apparently the, the reason is that Yoda is a Japanese name anyway. Oh. So if I was like DJ Boba or Chewbacca DJ or Darth Vader yeah that would yeah. be an issue well they mm. th- some people got shut down there was Jedi Knights were a, a DJ group in the UK they got shut down wow there was another one as well yeah. <laughs> but I'm good yeah. Yoda still stands over yeah. here yeah <laughs> over here uh, you, you, um, you worked with Banksy yeah you actually knew him before he was Banksy mm. yeah well like this whole Fat Lace magazine connection you know one of the really? guys that did Fat Lace with me Dan Greenpeace big up Dan Greenpeace Shared an office with him, you know. He was he was around. Yeah. He was doing street art at the time. Yeah, or? yeah. And he did when he did that um, theme park thing in the UK, the Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked me to do one of my AV shows for the launch of that. Oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. He he like the first time I DJed for him was he he was like nobody, and he um, it was like some London viewing of his art or whatever. And instead of paying me, he gave me like a signed thing, really, <laughs> like a screen print. I never actually liked it much. I, I never put it up in my house. It was the one with like, um, it's got like an old lady sitting on a bench and a razor coming towards her or something. Mm-hmm. I just, it was kind of kind of a dark image and I didn't really, it's like stayed in a tube for years. Jesus. And then um, a few years ago, I was like, shit, I should dig that out and kind of- See how much it's worth. Yeah, see, see how much this thing's worth. It was worth a lot. And then I unrolled it from the fucking tube <sighs> And as I unrolled it, like made a crease. And I took it to Sotheby's to get um, valued. And he said the crease absolutely destroys the like. The value of the. The value of it. Damn, man. Yeah, I really really fucked up, man. (laughs) Really fucked up with that one. I don't know, man. Yeah. How much would it have been worth if if you didn't have the crease? I guess maybe like 10K. No, more than that. I think that. it would have been worth more. Right? Yeah, not I don't know. More this was a few that. years ago anyway. I think yeah. way more now. Yeah, I think someone would buy that with the crease. I ended up giving it to charity. And also it said like two Yoda on it, which I think probably decreases <laughs> the value <laughs> rather, than, I think rather than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And That's then uh, I, I've also got like um, a Banksy record in my collection. That I was, I've been going selling records recently, like going through just stuff that I don't mm-hmm. want. And there was a Banksy record that came out and I looked it up on Discogs and it's, I think it must be like my most valuable record I own now. It's really? worth a lot, man. Yeah. The I music on it is good it. as well. It's, it's like a kind of, it's like that like trip hop era stuff. Like yeah. kind of just, I used to play it in the club. It's like kind of hard hitting beat, hip hop kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you, are you still in touch with him or no? Nah. It's just like, you just moved on through. Well, no, I just, I, you know, I'd known him just through those things. Just yeah. through those things. Yeah, That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what do you call, when, when did the, uh, when you did the event for him, what was it? it was a so was I, it? I did the so the the original thing I was talking about was like an art showing in, yeah, yeah. in Soho, but mm. the the Disneyland thing was the theme park thing. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was the it last was, thing. You it did. was like you and a bunch of other DJs, right? That did this. No, they it? no, they had like a they took over a theme park and made all kind of art stuff happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but the, uh, what they would do is on the Friday and Saturday nights they book one music act. So mm-hmm. they did run the jewels one night, okay, and yeah. then the next mm-hmm. night was me, and the next weekend it was someone else, kind of thing. That was a cool show mm-hmm. to do as well because I did the the AV show, but I felt like because it was kind of an art thing, mm-hmm. I didn't have to like 
even keep it danceable for the crowd. I wanted to make it almost more like a kind of, like I just didn't worry about keeping the beat going. And sometimes I just throw in like random shit from YouTube. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a satisfying gig to do in a way because I wasn't worrying about a dance floor at all. Just like some chill music, everybody. Just Not even chilled, actually just arty, just <laughs> weird. <laughs> but I've done some of those AV shows in movie theaters, like, or in an IMAX, I've, d I've done a show as really? well, where people just sit and eat popcorn and, yeah. Oh, never. You were saying that he he might be the one of the first people to do one of those like kind of AV shows. Like mixing the um, DJ DJ set with the um, audio video. Yeah, man. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I st when I started, it was the DVJs, and I had this the uh, Pioneer mixer, the SVM. Do you ever see that? It is a okay. crazy mixer. I, that's one of the few mixers I've kept, just because it's a dinosaur man. <laughs> it's a beast. Uh -huh, it's this yeah. huge thing. When, a, wait, when did the DVJ? When did that come out? The two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like 2001, 2002, yeah. maybe. Nah, maybe, maybe a later, bit later. Later yeah, in yeah. the States, maybe like uh, 2006 or seven for us. Possibly. I Wait, when did know. the Serato music video thing come out? Like seven, 2007. So yeah, maybe? after that, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Because I jumped on the DVJs as soon as they came out with that SVM mixer and it had like a color touchscreen kind of TV monitor in the Pioneer mixer that you could put your finger on and do effects, draw effects on the screen really? and shit. I don't think I've ever seen I that. I think I know it's, what you're talking about. It's crazy <laughs> and it's huge and fucking heavy. Yeah. And so what I used to have was this, um, I would tour with this kind of coffin that had two DVJs and that mixer all in the same thing. Mm -hmm. The thing was crazy heavy, like it took two people to carry it. Yeah. And this one show that I did is on an island off of the UK called Jersey of the south of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Not New Jersey. You're lying, what, it's what You're new lying right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's called Jersey? That's what New Jersey's named after, Jersey. So that was the first Jersey. <laughs> the first they, Jersey. They, 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 I DJ in York as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally DJ in York and Jersey. The symmetry. Yeah. Oh, um, I hope the, the OG Jersey is a lot the OG better Jersey. Than the, oh, no. It's, <laughs> no it's, disrespect to yeah. New Jersey, though. O, OG Jersey is a bit weird. Is but, it? So they have a they have a big music festival there. And we um, had a tour manager at the time. We tried to like check in for the flight to Jersey with this great big thing with the DVJs in. Mm -hmm. And they were the guys behind the desk were like, we can't, the baggage handlers won't even pick that up and it won't go through, it's too big. Oh, like, shit. So we, the planes are small, so it, it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So I called the promoter, I was like, um, they're not letting us on the flight with, with the equipment. There's nothing we can do here, man. We're gonna have to abandon this plan. So we got back in the car, and gave up on it. The promoter called back. He's like, wait, 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 turn around. Don't look, go, go back to the airport. Um, I've made a call and we're going to get you on the plane. The plane had already taken off. He'd called some politician wow. in Jersey and, like, <laughs> <laughs> and said, like, this is an important cultural event for, for Jersey. You've got to get yeah, this, yeah. this commercial flight to go back to Heathrow. They, so they came back? They, the flight came back oh, for us. For you. For Yo. us. And the mixer. Yeah. We got on the plane. The pilot was like, who are you guys? I've, I've never had to do this. I was like, I'm a DJ. <laughs> you should have said DJ Yoda. Holy shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I'm spinning MP4s tonight. That's why I'm in. How, how heavy was that? That Like uh, 70 pounds or what was I it? I don't know. It, was, it took two people. That's all I know. It was heavy. Um, but the, the crazy end to that story was, it never ended up on the plane anyway. They refused. They oh, got they, it through the check-in and then they never even loaded it on the plane. So I got, after all that shit, the yeah, plane yeah. turning around, I got there, the equipment didn't arrive with the plane. So you couldn't do so anything? So I couldn't play. I just went to the hotel, watched TV. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> after all of that. <laughs> yeah. And That's then Serato crazy. video came out. I was like, hey, this is easier. <laughs> do you... Um, 
do you like do you, would you rather do AV and or do you like it, how you mix it up? What it depends do? on what the event is. So I, I learned a lot doing these AV shows. I definitely learned not to do an AV show <laughs> at one in the morning in a club. It's just not the place for it. Mm-hmm. People can't. They can't multitask like that. They can't watch a screen and dance. <laughs> yeah. So it's like for early in the night. It's it's just for different events. It's not for clubs. Mm-hmm. I play mainly mainly the the place I play are festivals, music festivals, mm-hmm. film festivals, food festivals, mm-hmm. the so London Coffee Festival, the London Beer Festival. So like, you would never de- like you. Do, who does your bookings? Your manager and yeah, agent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like you would tell them, I'm not doing this AV show at yeah, a nightclub. We, we figure it out. Uh, if right. someone approached me about a booking, I'm like, okay, what's the event? It, what time do you want me to play? What's the normal thing that happens here? Is there a big screen? Mm-hmm. These are the things that help me figure out. So about half the time I do AV. But the ideal situation for AV is like a music festival, main stage, just as it gets dark with a massive screen, then it's going to work. Like, mm-hmm. Then it's ideal. But I also like doing these kind of like movie theater ones, sit down ones. Right. I mean, the first time I played in Vegas was... Um, the HBO Comedy Festival at Caesar's Palace. Was that with Seinfeld? Were they? Yeah, uh, Larry David did. Larry a, David, yeah, yeah, Larry David did stand up. I remember that. I think yeah. they, that's where they honored Seinfeld with like comedian of the year, yeah. or whatever the fuck, or life, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was the right environment because it's like a. It's got to basically be more like a more cultured yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Not some like turn up at. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere yeah. we can do it at a nightclub. Yeah. yeah. There was a there was a time remember at a jet in like the when I first moved out here like two thousand two thousand five two thousand was it six and seven two thousand six two thousand six or oh, seven there yeah. was a, a a video DJ called Rooney G oh yeah yeah I remember. in the U S yeah. and yeah. he he would do jet and it was really clever it was really entertaining mm-hmm. with music videos with music videos mm. and it was really entertaining and he was really dope and he was a great showman. But it would definitely just take away the room. Yeah, you got it. Just it because they they can't dance and watch a TV. They become exactly. spectators. They yeah. just they're yeah. not yeah. dancing. So they just stand, stand in the dance floor looking at the. Yeah. And well, the other thing you know, is to treat it like a gig, like a kind of live band, nine p.m. in a in that kind of environment where you would normally book a band, and that way mm-hmm. it's a show. Mm-hmm. The curtains go back. People stand and watch a show. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want people to dance, it, it, there's no point in introducing the screen well, like that. I, was, I would analyze the room a little bit and a lot of the guys would be watching and some of the girls would be watching, but they ended up wanting to dance. Yeah. But, but when you watch the crowd, they're doing one or the other. Yeah. yeah. But I also saw, I, was, I remember I would, I would talk to some girls and, the guy, and they would say, all the guys are just looking at the TV. Yeah. None of them are paying attention to us. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. It's and not a club situation. Yeah. But I thought what he do- was doing was really awesome. I thought it would have worked maybe early in the night when people are kind of yeah. maybe like 11.30 to 12.30. Mm. And then yeah. like the other American guy who does it really well is Mike Realm. Mike Realm. I've never heard. Yeah. He's, um, I actually saw him in London a couple of weeks ago. He's DJing for the far side. And I was supporting him with Jungle Brothers. Who's in the far side now? Two of them. I don't know. Which two? I just know it's not <laughs> Fat Lips. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's Trey and... Who's the, who's the other one? I don't know. They had a really dope live show, though. They, they a, do, a full right? band and everything. It was good. I remember when they had the far side at Lavo. Remember that for the old school Wednesdays? Yeah. They sounded exactly like yeah. the record. Yeah. That's yeah. what I, They sound the, exactly the I saw like the record. It, that yeah. was exactly mm-hmm. the It's the amazing. Yeah. yeah. But that guy, Mike Realm, the DJs for them, he's the only other guy I've seen in the US doing anything like what I do with the AV stuff. In other words, it's very movie inspired. Mm-hmm. There'll be like Pulp Fiction and bits from do you, you know. do you have separate laptops no 
No, everything's you on external. Uh, no, just everything no. on one laptop. Wow. S nine. I use Phase now. I used Phase last night uh, on the record. Oh yeah, how was that? How do you feel about that? I love it. It's mm -hmm. a game changer. It's like desperately needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they kind of released the product a little. Like early early there's glitches still like yeah. I'm have you having run any yeah man. oh shit <laughs> yeah that's it's doing right, a really please, weird please thing. do tell yeah because we've actually uh p dot is like our kind of tech expert right for the dj realm right yeah. uh you do like youtube videos and tutorials but he's been saying he said uh, uh you said a pair of um a pair exploded right the, <laughs> the battery over is overheating like holy shit what from overcharging That's Wait, did it explode while they were spinning? Uh, they just noticed that like it's popped up and like. Oh, uh, all right. So like I'm, I was imagining someone DJing and the shit just exploding. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> that was yeah. a better story. That would look pretty dope if it happened at the right moment. That's a better story though. Yeah. The shit just exploded. <laughs> I um, lost, yeah, I the, lost um, the tip of my <laughs> finger. <laughs> in the middle of scratching and the shit just blew up. The weird shit that's been happening with them is at one point every set and only once everything just freezes for one second both channels and then just carries on and randomly it will happen when I every like, time every time and i'm not touching anything when it happens but and you're it, freaking the once. fuck out it's enough for the crowd to like look and then you're like and then it starts again without you touching anything oh like the music cuts off everything cuts off wow for like one second <laughs> did that happen last night <laughs> yep really yeah Keeps happening. It just gives you a heart attack, right? Yeah. Like, it's a heart attack. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not good. And I can't figure out whether it's I mean, I had I've had so many tech nightmares. I mean, up until like the second half of last year I had this six month problem with my setup, which is just S nine laptop Serato. I don't I, you know, what, well what was your tech problems? It would crash every every gig. Really? every gig randomly and again not from like loading an mp3 not from doing anything not your serato not, would crash yeah the, the serato would just the, hang you, just like freeze what uh os are you using oh man i don't fucking know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whatever the most recent one is i just yeah, updated I think that's, that's the problem that might yeah. be the problem so what happened was i tried replacing everything like usb cables it would just happen every time still yeah I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to have to bounce off Serato. I'm going to have to start using like Record Box or something. I don't know. Um, it's the OS. And I reinstalled yeah. my Mac OS. And yeah. it hasn't happened since then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't. You went to a lower. No, I just reinstalled my. Oh, you reinstalled it. Yeah. I deleted a lot of shit off the laptop. I don't know whether that made a difference, but I think it was the OS thing that. Is it a new laptop or you had it for. That's like a three year old laptop or something. This is the shit that terrifies me, man, because it's there wasn't even like an explanation for that ever. Mm -hmm. It just stopped happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, and then this glitch with the face things as well. I'm like, oh man. But I would still take that as the problem over what I was dealing with with turntables and Serato before this. What I'm, was that? What was it? Oh, just shit like you'd like sound check or line check and everything's cool. And then 10 minutes into the set, one of the turntables just stops liking Serato, just stopped working. I, I did a whole, yeah. I'd done two, two hour sets in the end of last year on off one turntable. Really? Because <laughs> one turntable would just fail mid-performance. So you do that thing where you like throw over to internal on the yeah. other side. I don't, you know what, man? I, you still use Scratch Live, right? 
No, I'm on. I'm on Scratch DJ Pro now. You still use? Scratch, I still use. I still it. use yeah. Scratch Live, and I have no issues ever yeah. whatsoever. But yeah. I need all the extra shit. And yeah, and, maybe. Yeah, uh, I use uh, Mix Emergency for the AV stuff. Oh, so I'm oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got all MIDI mapping going on, and all crazy nerdy shit going on with the with the Serato. Uh, and the problem is you can never really figure out is this a Mac problem is it a Serato problem is mm -hmm. it a Pioneer problem and I, I've got contacts with in all those companies and they all point the finger at each other so the Pioneer mm -hmm. dude is like you need to speak to the Serato dude the Serato dude is like speak to the Mac well guy. I think I've learned that <laughs> it's actually a combination usually yeah it's it's usually, they're, they're um, not friendly it's usually like an issue with if you're using Serato DJ Pro with like an SL3 it's like a nightmare oh, like wow. an SL3 box with Serato DJ Pro is I would never recommend. Basically, that. you shouldn't use Serato DJ Pro with any Serato box, right? Yeah, because that's specifically yeah. tailor made for Scratch Live. Yeah, so you'll never probably have an but issue. I don't do that any, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm all, all, I will only use the S9. Yeah, I'm, I'm like which is yeah. for Scratch for I DJ was, Pro. I was gonna say I, I hate the sound quality on the S9. The sound quality on the whole never bothers me. I just not a sound quality dude. I it, that area of things doesn't really interest me. <laughs> I'm just like, can you hear the song? Okay, then fine. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Man. I'm not really. A, I'm not really a sound quality guy either. Like, I'm yeah. not too anal about it. Yeah. But if I can hear the the issue, then I know there's mm, a I problem, guess problem you, with it. I guess yeah. you train your ear to know that stuff. I can walk in a club and I can instantly know when someone's on an S9. Yeah. Because of mm. this, it feels like we were just talking about this earlier. It feels compressed. Mm -hmm. It feels like. Something's pushing it down. Yeah. If you're noticing it, then it's a problem. But yeah. I think I, all I'm saying is I just don't notice that shit. Even mm. shit like people always ask me, oh, what do you think of these headphones? Or what do you think of this studio <laughs> monitor? I'm like, nah, just, you can hear the song, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I guess I'm not very discerning in that. And I also am the same with the like, quality of the video for the AV shows. I'm just mm -hmm. ripping off YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and when I do the IMAX shows, you have like pixels the size of humans. <laughs> but it's uh, That's to gotta me, be pretty sick though. It, to me it's having having a shit on IMAX. Yeah, it's dope yeah. man. Just set up a stage on front of the massive screen and everything. Yeah. Um yeah, it I think it's also kind of a hip hop thing that you just Sometimes you want the flavor of the bad quality to like bring some, you want some crackle or some, you know, I listen to a lot of old blues and the thing I love about it is the shit quality. I like the crackle and the hiss and that's what, if you heard it without that, it would. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it on vinyl, yeah. then listen to it on CD. Yeah. Because on the CD it's going to be clear, but yeah. on the vinyl you're going to hear that crackle. So you like that human element. Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. the same with sampling. Like when, mm -hmm. you, when you sample off vinyl or you sample from a certain era, it adds that flavor into the sound. Yeah. And to me, that's what's why I don't play a lot of new stuff because everything just sounds like it's spat out of a laptop, just so fucking sanitized and every single fucking snare has been pitched to be the exact same. Mm -hmm. It ruins it. It takes all the soul out of it. Like it's all the errors and the mistakes and the bad technology that makes give shit flavor. I, I mean, any imperfections to me on an, any analog sound or analog recording is always gonna sound amazing. Yeah, Just man. because it's analog. I mean, the other day in the studio, I was so rarely just actually listen to a record. I like normally just listen to Spotify. Mm -hmm. I, I, for some reason, I just was like, oh, upon this reggae record, just listen to the record. And it's such a cliche, but it is such a different experience and it does sound different. And the whole, the whole experience of it is there's so much more depth to it. And it's not something you can really put your finger on. But for some reason, when I'm listening to Spotify, I just feel like I'm researching. I don't feel like I'm like mm. really immersed in the music. 
Uh, we're like all really listening to like snippets or yeah, like yeah. you know previews of, of of something like literally 30% of what it should be sounding like yeah mm-hmm. that's what I use Spotify for is research that's what I would say when was the last time you guys actually played or listened to a record like an album or just like put a record a on and listen vinyl. to it it's been years it's been a long time man. yeah yeah that's what I'm saying I didn't I haven't done that for a long time and it was uh, it was nice to do it man you yeah. gotta remind yourself of that every now and you then. feel that warmth right yeah yeah through the through the speakers, it just sounds. Yeah. I mean, I got to do it, but I remember every time I would play. I think back in the day, remember when we were like transitioning yeah. in Serato, and we do like the line through, and we yeah. like switch over with, with a piece of vinyl. With a piece of vinyl, mm-hmm. and I would definitely hear the differences between the Serato MP3s yeah, and then you'd like switch over with that vinyl. You're like, damn, this man, this sounds so much and better. And if you're playing like reggae or drum and bass or something yeah. with the differences i mean i noticed that shit yeah. it's yeah. crazy i mean i mean I, shit <laughs> i missed that but yeah stop using the s9 but you know if you really want to hear that uh, no. if you, uh, nothing's <laughs> gonna get me off that s9 that s9 for me is like the end of mixers that mixer came out i was like okay i'm done with mixers now i don't i'm good i don't need anything like, like when they they brought the, out the rain 72 thing i was like nah man there's too many bells and whistles i don't need all that shit it's too complicated mm-hmm. The S9 is just lovely, man. It's just man. perfectly simplified. It's just perfect. It's got. I use everything on it. Yeah. Every fucking knob on it. You, you work. You were saying you work with Pioneer a little bit, right? Yeah, I've helped them design mixes in the past. That's and, crazy. Yeah. What have you helped design? You can't say. Or can't um, I could probably say like older ones, like the the one that the the S9 is more or less based on the what was it the 909? I don't even know the two channel. Yeah, the yeah, two channel with the flicky effects mm-hmm. thing, like the yeah. S9 has. And that was, was pretty much a two-channel 900. Yeah. 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 It was real skinny. It yeah. Came out like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like two years ago, right? Yeah, I think they had, that was the last one they probably made was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I think Ross 1 has that. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it looks like one of the old Vestax ones yeah. that had two-channel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, you did design that one? That and a bunch of other stuff. All the That's video crazy. shit they talked to me about because there's hardly anyone doing it. So is there any, is there, there's some exciting stuff coming from Pioneer? What? Yeah. Because we heard is. we heard rumors about, didn't they, didn't they announce that they were shutting down the... Uh, they were getting bought or something like yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. Is yeah. it? Yeah, I literally spoke to them about it like two weeks ago. Why would they announce that? Do you know? I just admit, I think just clickbait. <laughs> just try. I mean, that's going pe- to like peak, bring their peak stock DJ's up again? interest yeah. to yeah. say like, oh, there's going to be no more Pioneer stuff. So, oh, no, don't stop Pioneer. So then I could discontinue <laughs> the CDJs. I don't know about that. Man. I, don't, I know nothing about CDJs. I'm CD, <laughs> CDJ ignorant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, so you don't, you, you've never used CDJs? I've never used CDJs, no. Really? I, 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 I can't do that, no. It's just, it's uh, the aesthetic of it. It yeah. just feels wrong. For me, yeah, I just gotta have like a twelve-inch size thing. Hey, pause. Pause, man. <laughs> pause. Sorry. Man. Uh, well done. Yeah, we gotta go to a commercial break. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. Ah. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I use the Rain Twelves uh, in the studio, but none of the higher companies rent them out yet. So if I could just request mm-hmm. Rain Twelves to be there, I'd probably be more reliable than the. Um, than the phase. I like the Rain 12s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're dope. I just don't know if they're gonna last. Yeah. No, it's a shame. Those I like using really the really nice. Yeah. Mm. I like the weight of the dish. Yeah. I like the the whole make of it is really is really dope. I think that's more reliable than the, the phase. The phase? Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason I think the phase is just gonna I it's just because it's portable it's, like that. Yeah. You know, it's easy. I set up last night, it was easy. When do you think uh when do you think they're gonna clean everything up in, in a year? 
Jazzy Jeff told me they're about to release some kind of update for it. Like some kind of... The anti-exploding update? Shit, man. Um, let's go into... Uh, this is pretty exciting. Uh, Dr. Dre, when he launched the Apple Beats 1 radio, mm -hmm. um, he specifically asked for you to DJ the first few episodes, well, I guess right? They had this like idea of... Um, I don't even know if they're still doing it because I don't really listen to Beats that much. But mm -hmm. um, I think every week they were doing a different international DJ mm -hmm. would do a guest mix. So for the first episode that you did for it, they wanted a British DJ. And I got asked. Wow. Which is incredible, so, man. I mean, what was that call like? Uh, it was dope, man. <laughs> you know. did, did Dre call you? Actually? No, I didn't, I didn't have it on the phone, man. It was all done through other people. But I did try and make a mix that would kind of peak as I trying to throw throw a couple of things in they'd be right, like oh, right. shit. <laughs> you know? um but yeah that's that's how, do fun. you know how that got about where you your name came up mm, I guess this stuff is all politics man just you know really people, people I know people you know, you know yeah yeah and it know. just it just happened yeah. and stuff like yeah, that yeah that's pretty that's pretty incredible it's good, man. sometimes those things are like happening it's yeah yeah it, mm -hmm. it's fucking awesome you know do you just did the first episode pretty much yeah just it was like one 15 minute mix I really fell into like a thing of doing these super short mini mixes. So I think- Oh wait, wait, how long was it? That one was, I think like, it was either like 12 minutes or 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Something like that. But I did a whole run of these like five minute mini mixes mm -hmm. for the BBC. Um, and I just put them out. I, we, we did some of them on like little three inch vinyl uh, for people to play. But it's a good like, uh, that five minute mini mix is a good format for me. I Cause I like to just drop in loads of different samples, change the beat every four bars. It's mm -hmm. like really intense, small, short little things. With the, so you didn't, you never like talked to Dre or you never did anything no, like that? No, 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 I wasn't hanging out with Dre. You, you were like imagining that he got a call from Dre. I know, yeah, after Dre like hit you up personally. He was like, like yo, yeah, what up? Yeah, yeah. I, I Doing this Apple thing. That would have been very cool. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. That's pretty, I mean, you, I, I, I love how like you're just kind of all over the place and you're, you've got your hands in a bunch of things. It's to keep like that, me right? interested. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 years deep in DJing. Mm -hmm. So the only way I can carry on for this long is to every year I just try new, totally new things. So I've done all these mad projects over these mm -hmm. years, man. I've worked with um, orchestras, done classical music stuff. I've done stuff with brass bands, work with beatboxers. Wow. The, my last album that I just released is like a soul jazz kind of an album. I just switch it up constantly to keep me interested because I couldn't just go out there every week doing the same thing for all these years. That's, it it's kind me. of like a Z trip mentality. Yeah. Me, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, there's similar. a lot of parallels with Z trip mm -hmm. for sure. And then, so going through this 25 year career of yours, looking back, what was the defining moment where you were like, you know, I'm sure like throughout all our careers, we want to please everyone and we want to make money and keep relations and stuff. And when, when do you feel like was the point where you're like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to do my shit. And I think that's been just gradual, man. There's, there was no one thing mm -hmm. that changed everything. It was, you know, for the first few years after I came back to London after university, I had a day job and I was DJing. And then there was a point where I was like DJing in three hours outside of London on a Thursday night and then trying to get into work for the Friday morning and all that shit. I was like, okay, yeah. this is, mm -hmm. I, I got to be DJing, right? This is what I've got supposed to be doing. And then from that point on, the mixtapes, the way that they just, like the numbers for that just got bigger and bigger and bigger right. until I was making the official mixes. 
then I did the album, and it's just been these like small little steps, bit by bit by bit, and there was no one thing that like changed everything. In in my own head, like completely personally for me, getting to do two songs with Bismarcky mm-hmm. on the, on my first album was like, yeah. oh shit! I was like, oh man, I don't even know what to do now because that's all I ever really wanted to that's do. Crazy. All I ever wanted was to like produce for Bismarcky. How did that happen? How you yeah, connect yeah. with Biz? Um, we were swapping records oh, okay. and our shared interest is breakfast cereal <laughs> oh I'm about to ask you about the whole thing with your cer- the yeah. cereals yeah. We, we both we both collect breakfast cereal uh-huh. and we wait wait what <laughs> <laughs> he's like a big cereal I'm, fanatic I'm a cereal I'm a cereal guy my studio in London is like the whole walls are all just limited edition cereal boxes oh. so when I come out to the states like this week I come with an empty suitcase I'm gonna be hitting up Target I'm gonna be really like, yeah, any any cereal? What is it? Limited edition for? shit. Uh, limited edition what shit. Is there, is there limited edition cereal? There is there limited I mean, edition yeah. cereal? Come on, man. What, what do you yeah, mean? That's my whole Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So do you have any like crazy Wheaties boxes with yeah, like, yeah. athletes? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but also they'll do like, you know, limited flavor runs of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. like the aesthetic of it, man. It just looks dope to me and that's so interesting wow. and they do like, do you remember they did that Bismarcky cereal box with the toy uh, inside uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that you get like people promoing their shit with cereal boxes and stuff so I collect <laughs> all that kind of shit <laughs> so anyway so, that's so all when you come to Vegas where do you go to look for um, like different like Target cereals? he said I mean right? yeah Target, Target any other spots I'll, I'll be like, in LA tomorrow so I, I know my spots there right? mm-hmm. I'm you giving up my spots man <laughs> Is this research. like a thing? Like a, yeah. various people do there's this? There's a scene. There's, a, there's enough for my like Instagram to be full and of Biz, it. And Biz Marquis does this? Yeah, man. So like me I feel and Biz, like he collects enough shit, no? Oh, like, he's got... <laughs> I don't know if he still does. He used to have like, just a house full of the shit that he collects that's not his house. I heard there was... I heard he had like two houses next to each other. Yeah, yeah. One house is like all his collected shit that he collects, like he, records. Uh, yeah. He collects yeah. records. He collects toys. He collects sneakers, flyers. Sneakers. sneakers. That's in one house. He's got the seven-inch Technics. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he would call me up and be like, "I just get this call from him like every couple of months, Yoda. What what have you got?" <laughs> and he meant like syrup, but he also meant like the other thing is kids' records. We both collect kids' records, so Sesame Street shit. Mm-hmm. That's the shit. So we would trade, wow, even just CDs and stuff. And then and then I sent, I made some beats that I designed just for him. So we did one song all about breakfast cereal. That's and dope, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, so this new album. Um, Who's on the new album right now? You said... Uh, yeah, the new album... Um, well, no, you have like the Jungle Brothers, Hulk like you cooking. said, Ed O.G. Ed O.G. Jungle Brothers are the only kind of MCs on it. The rest of it is... There's a big kind of a UK jazz thing going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. It, okay. There's a lot of um, really good jazz musicians. So yeah. the, the best people in that scene... Or well, the people that I thought were the best are all on this album. Mm-hmm. So they're probably not names you'd know, but I, know, um, yeah, I don't know any of these. I'm gonna d- butcher their names. Yeah, Joel Cole Joel Culpepper. Culpepper, very very dope singer. Nubia Garcia, Nubia Garcia, saxophone player. Yeah, well the Jungle Brothers, I know. Yeah, Jungle Brothers, you know Ed OG, you know. They'll probably be the only names on this one you'll know. Yeah, you've worked with the Jungle Brothers before, right? Yeah, I worked with Jungle Brothers on that same album that I worked with Biz on. Okay, and I've produced for like Large Professor, MOP. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy George. I'm about to ask you about that. Yeah, I had Action Bronson, MOP, and Boy George on the same album. I was going to ask you about that. That's crazy. (laughs) How did you hook up with Boy George? Um, I I don't even remember, to be honest with you. 
dude I don't even know I can't answer that question he was just there one day <laughs> it, just, it just happened what Boy George was just there <laughs> he was just there one day that's just what happened to I, the I have a quite, quite a shitty memory um <laughs> So I don't even oh, know. Oh, you too? I got a pretty bad. But I would fucking remember when I met Boy George. Exactly. Like, I remember yeah. meeting him, but I just don't remember how it, how the, like, how it came about. How it came about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been through someone, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was known for um, the whole 80s pop thing as well. I was super inspired by that Spin Bad 80s mix. And I made this 80s. About, yeah. For the um, yeah. cut and paste. The cut and paste 80s, 80s mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many volumes are you on right now? Uh, I lost count, but they're all on this, that USB thing that yeah. I gave you. Yeah. This oh, dope. It, it looks like a cassette tape. Let me uh, pass this that cassette tape. So you've lost track, but you're continuing. Are you still making them or did you stop at like um, 2013 or something? I haven't made one for a few years. I don't know whether I've decided that I've stopped doing them, but I haven't done one for a while. Yeah, it's real clever. All the cut and paste mixes are on that, and they're and they're it's a really flash drive. yeah. The, the the so it looks like a tape cassette, but it's a actually a USB. Yeah. Um, and I really just good. Yeah, figured all those mixes are out of print. None of them are on Spotify or anything. So just to have a place where they're all collected seemed like a, a cool idea. It's pretty cool. But the '80s one was really inspired by Spin Bad and inspired by the music that I grew up on. And mm-hmm. I think because of that, the Boy George thing came about. God, I, I really <laughs> I really do miss just. Being able to, I mean, just having like music and seeing yeah. the inside, what tangible. you wrote in here. Yeah. My um, my car that I drive in London has got a cassette player. Really. And my uh, studio has got all my tapes yeah. from when I was a teenager. So I just I, I just pick up old mixtapes every time I go you to the studio. Oh, I listen wow. to them as I drive. I want around. to ask you. I saw like some hip hop DJs that was influenced you. You was like a big Von G fan. Oh man, that's like that how do you know about Ron G? Wait, Ron G, Kid Capri, and Duop. All uh-huh. like, I mean, Duop and Ron G were big mixtapes. They were the, the New York mixtapes. So yeah. when I was a teenager, it was all about trying to acquire the the mixtapes from New York. However, mm-hmm. if you had a family member that lived there, or if someone was going there on holiday, you'd be like, okay, you need to go to Canal Street. You need yeah, to, like <laughs> just buy anything that says Ron G on it, buy anything that says Duop on it. Uh-huh. Um, and there's uh, big up DJ MK, who's like a Dizzy Rascals DJ in London. He was like the one of the first hip-hop DJs that I knew in London. Yeah. He would sell all the mixtapes. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, because so yeah, st- you barely hear about Ron G nowadays. People don't even know who that is. No, but he was the, the guy that was the first dude to mix R&B acapellas yeah. over hip-hop beats. Exactly, yeah. That spawned mm-hmm. like yeah. everything, man. Like, That's like the beginning of the mashup, if you want to It's also the, say that. like there would be no like Puff Daddy Exactly. Without yeah. that, there would be yeah. no hip hop as pop music as it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without that dude, yeah. and yeah, no one says. What was Ron like G. the yeah. biggest one that Ronji did? It was over the check the rhyme. I forgot what it was. Mm. It was uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Sweet tea, it's my beat. Over check the over rhyme. check the rhyme instrumental, and that was like the that like blew everyone's mind away. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just remember that shit. Yeah. So this day, if you yeah. grew up on that shit, like. It, and we called them blends at the time. Blends, yeah, exactly. Blends, exactly. So yeah. if you grew up with blends, so, so then hear people call anything mashup in the year yeah. 2001, you're like, oh, fuck off, it was, man. Yeah, like, it was exactly. the worst. Yeah. It was the worst. Yeah. But then now you just spoke like now it's open format. Yeah, now it's open format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Open format sounds like someone in a corporate nightclub meeting, right? <laughs> Definitely like just sat down and like, what do we call the hip hop DJs, but we don't scare yeah. Like anybody Scare and bring a hip hop crowd. What, okay, Let's call it open <laughs> format. Well, here's where I shit on America again. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. That's what Americans do is they like brand shit the fuck up and then like commercialize it and ruin it every time. <laughs> 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 Jesus. 
Jesus, Yoda. Sorry, man. I'm going keep, in. Keep it at 100. <laughs> I'm going in. Damn. Let me just say it how I see it. You know, it, it happened. Yeah. The, the biggest thing that um, definitely British DJs see America ruining was dubstep. Dubstep mm, was this yeah. very I, cool I, I, underground I thing. About that. And it yeah. just got broed out, test, testosterone <laughs> out to the max by Americans just... Yeah. There's the logo for it. There's the brand. Basically, what happened to your breakfast this morning? What we did to dubstep, right? Exactly. We just overdid it, right? Yeah, it's too much food. What the fuck yeah, is all of this? Just yeah. make it too big. Yeah, yeah, and that's like, <laughs> it, it's really noticeable to me coming it's, to this. Yeah, space. it's like we. I think America knows how to exploit something. You know how to you know? commercialize yeah, something. Yeah. You make money out of it. That's wicked. But a lot yeah. of the time, it 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 ruins, it, it ruins the value of it. And also just the, I mean. <laughs> you know what it is? It, it creates, it makes it a fad. America, yeah. it makes something. Because then they move on. Yeah, because yeah. like I, I always I always go back to like reggae and reggaeton. Like just the way America took reggaeton, like exploited the shit out of it. And then it was like, oh, this is over now. What's We're the done. next on shit? On to the next thing, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, Mumbaton. Oh, like, yeah, that's, well, well that's kind of reggae and reggaeton. But yeah. it's like, no, it's not. It's Mumbaton. And it's like. Oh, let's push this out. Let's get pop music over this. And it's just like... Exploit stuff. A little mm -hmm. bit, but it just creates these fads where you're just kind of like, oh, we don't listen to that anymore. But it's like, no, like it's a genre of music that represents a large... Uh, popular, like a yeah, large no, culture. It's, it's a lot of people's culture. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like, they're still listening to that <laughs> yeah. shit. It's but like, also, you know? this is the vibe in, especially in Vegas, yeah. I have to say, of the clubs. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Is of the like DJ thing being a show... And they're like on a stage, everyone facing the DJ. That's not the world no. that I grew up in yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if it was the same in New York, but certainly in London, the clubs that I started out in, the DJ would be in the corner. No one's facing the DJ. Mm -hmm. It's not even about necessarily, no. you're not selling yeah. the night on who the DJ is. Right. It was just the, the vibe was the important thing. People would go to that club, oh, there's a good atmosphere there. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about that recently. I think when our trip in New York, we were talking about how the DJ booth in New York it used to be like on the side. Like nobody like really paying attention to the mm. looking at the DJ. They was like more busy concentrating on the dance floor and the music. So it's odd to me to see just the DJ elevated like that still. But it's not. It's not. You're not. I mean, are you comfortable? Like, be honest. Are you comfortable with the spotlight on you DJing no. in a room? No. I fucking hate it. Me too. Me I too, feel man. like it would. I gotta like juggle. Or I gotta do something fantastical yeah, while yeah. I'm doing this. Because instead they, of they looking at you, they expect yeah. you to do something. I literally at this one club we do. I tell the lighting guy like they have this like this strong beam of light on the DJ. And mm. I'm like, turn, can so you, you turn, turn that, that off? down? Yeah. Just turn it down. Yeah. Well, with my AV shows, I'm always like, it's about the screen. Right. So put me in the dark. I want people to look at the uh -huh. screen. But it's funny because it depends on the kind of show. When I did the, um, when I was touring the album the last, last month in the UK, it was with a live band. So, and with Ed OG and Jungle Brothers and all that stuff. And Phase had just come out that week. So mm. I, I, I kind of hate myself for doing it, but I did the like lift the record up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> You're one of those guys? Yeah, wow, I, I was like, dude, I was like, I kind of hated myself whilst I was doing it. I was like, yeah. this is going to look, if anyone's <laughs> filming this, this is going to look crazy dated in like 10 years' time. But for this week, it's cool. Just whilst no one knows what Phase is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. How, wait, how did you enjoy last night? You, I mean, was cool. I like the way the DJ booth and on the record's a little yeah. out of the way. Even yeah. though you're, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Um, yeah. I'm glad I wasn't in the main room. Oh, you weren't in the main. No, room. I was in the bus. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. That's even more fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was like a house party yeah. kind of vibe. But mm. uh, when I walked through the main room, um, and they got a drummer, 
yeah, playing yeah. on top of the DJ. I was like, oh, thank fuck for that, man. And I could not have handled that shit, man. <laughs> yeah. You don't drummer. like that? You don't like fuck that. that. Why would you want a drummer on top of the perfectly produced drums you're already playing? Like, <laughs> Sure, mime, cool. like mime drumming, that would be cool, but don't... Uh, mime drumming, like air guitar? Air, yeah, yeah, exactly. But don't, like, we were trying to mix records with a live drummer. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. fucking hard, man. That's what they were... Yeah, I, I heard that. It, it works, yeah. I think, on certain... I think the drummer... Uh, it can, it can the drummer can make it work, yeah. yeah. To me, Depending it's cheesy. It's like having a sax, like saxophone. With the house, like what they yeah, do, at, like how they do it at Dre's, it works. It's a very you Vegas thing, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a Vegas, yeah. like you know. Yeah. I guess I don't know. It brings a live element to everything. I don't know. The other thing that I thought was interesting, just from having, I've heard a few of your podcasts, not like yeah. just cherry picked the ones that are relevant to yeah. me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that stood it's out. It's okay. We don't expect anyone to listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, sat, I did sit through like three hours of Fat Man Scoop complaining about his publishing rights. Or whatever, so <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's some payback. That was a, that was a draining yeah, that episode. That was a long, yeah, it was yeah, emotionally yeah. draining for all of us, man. Yeah. For all of us that heard <laughs> it. Like, um, <laughs> we was recording like two in the morning. Was like, <laughs> yeah. um, but the thing that, that pops out to me a lot is it's really interesting how I have never heard DJ AM play. Really? Wow. And because he did, didn't release mixtapes like that. He didn't tour mm-hmm. in yeah. Europe like that. Mm-hmm. So I get uh, how influential he was. And probably like if I'd have been aware of him, he would have been super influential to me. And I guess what I'm doing is inspired by that. But I never heard him play. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still don't even really know what an AM set would, would have sounded like. It's funny because a lot of people, I, AM sets, and uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, never, but they were mm-hmm. compiled of a bunch of really outstanding routines. Yeah, definitely. That he would, oh. and and kind of idea mixes, yeah. concept mixes. Yeah. And they were trying to all jumbled, like, and then he would, you know, mix songs in between. He did a lot of scratching. Really? It was, and, but it was just like these standout routine mixes that just like, at the time, just were so groundbreaking, and they were just executed and it was so clean. amazing, it was and clean. it was so it was clean. Like, yeah, it was just like the Oasis one is is one of those mixes. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a few others that I don't remember right now, but but the other DJs I've been talking about, yeah. like Spinbad, Jazzy Jeff, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was doing something different to that. Similar, I would say almost similar. Just like I think he just had, he was just crossing this genre, just playing Journey when no one was playing yeah, he was Journey. Like, he put a, like playing a lot more of rock into his I set. Was, I was doing, that. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was playing Journey. <laughs> but it almost goes back to what Rock the Con was saying too. Like he had all that, but then his story and the environment in which he was in kind of right. catapulted him because to that's like this the superstar. That's the reason steps. that I brought it up because yeah. To my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to separate what was he doing technically and musically compared to like, what was he doing brand, brand wise? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe the way that he pioneered was with that brand side of things. I would even say much. dating a celebrity like Nicole Richie, Mandy Moore, I think obviously that you definitely know, catapulted it. Yeah. But, you know, working with Nike, being in like an entourage HBO show, mm. uh, being in Iron Man 2. You know, and what, as that inspired, carpets. would you say like I just the thought, kind of DJs I, that you are around now? I think now? for like working open format yeah. mashup hip hop DJs, we would never get that kind of attention. Mm. And then we would, he just got the opportunity to just do all of these great things. And mm. he was a great dude that really kind of like 
championed other working DJs and talented dudes. Right. And then we were just really proud to have him kind of be the for, the guy in the forefront. And obviously, like, you know, like, yeah, like, we were all kind of doing the same thing. He was had a different style. He was immensely talented and had and really just brought a lot of, like, honestly, like, these routines that he had, like, the way he played Journey was not the way anyone played Journey. How? And like, in, in what it's way? Just the way he did it, like, the way he did Oasis was not the way anyone would have played Oasis. He... He was juggling a, a drum beat underneath it. So it was more than two turntables. No, no it was just it two, was turntables. two turntables. It was two turntables. Yeah. So how's he juggling? Juggling. Well, like, I'm like hand, like one side, just juggling the drum. Like right. Boom, boom, boom. Cat, oh, boom, right. Boom, okay. Boom, drumming. Yeah. Boom, yeah, drumming on the side, and then basically, you know, just the way he mixed the the certain like these these songs, it just kind of made everything just made it be like. We got to play Oasis. Like, and that's the doing, Oasis routine. And he was doing that routine before Serato came out. Yeah. He was doing it on vinyl. Super interesting to me because I, this, I mean, I, I hadn't heard him. I didn't even yeah. know that he did that, but it is kind of what I was doing in London. Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, like, I would play the hip hop, but then I would throw in, like, Mm-hmm. The I don't know the '80s pop yeah. '80s pop song or whatever. But, there, but there's a lot of there's to me there's a lot of groundbreaking DJs that were doing a lot of those things like you know Stretch Armstrong, mm-hmm. Mark Ronson. Mm-hmm. If we want to go to like New York, New York, Eric Riz, Rippo, Soul, Riz. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a whole bunch of dudes, but you know obviously he had, a, he had all that other stuff as well. He had so he, he had, just he yeah. was just kind of the like complete package. I think he had like he was just really charismatic, just like mm-hmm. really cool yeah. dude. And yeah, he was just kind of the one that kind of made it, and everyone was just kind of happy he made it, and he didn't forget about anybody. Mm. Makes a huge difference if someone's nice, and not yeah. not yeah. only nice, but they only care about the DJs. Mm. So you know they could be around a whole bunch of celebrities, and then they see Yoda, come here, mm. and then you're, you're like, yo, like. He hasn't really forgotten. There is definitely two types of people in this business. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like whenever he saw a DJ, he didn't care about anything. Like, he would just be like, yo, come up, come up. Let's, like, let's hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, let's, like, yo, I got to go to this after party. Let's go to the after party. But mm. it was very much, he was always kind of championing the DJs. Mm. I feel like that about Z Trip. Z Trip's already. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah. And, yeah. and Ronson as That's well. It. Ronson has always looked out for me and, like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I've heard great things about Ronson. He's and stuff, yeah. He's very cool. I recorded half of my album in his studio in London. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how was, I mean, how was it? Uh, did you hear it? Did, were you like hearing any of the new stuff that he was working on for his new album? No. Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, probably the era when he was more around London was when I would see a lot more of him. And that was the more Amy Winehouse, Lily Allen. Mm-hmm. How, does, how does the UK look at Mark Ronson? Proud, yeah. Mark Ronson kills it in the UK. Because I, w- I don't know if he has. I know the US loves Mark Ronson, but I don't think mm-hmm. they know about about well, well, his like DJing. He was like as much. He's known as the production, yeah, more so than the DJ. I think. But his, he did a huge thing for the BBC last week. Um, the, the BBC Radio One, which is like the biggest pop one there is, they mm-hmm. do like a one big kind of show somewhere in the country every year. And he did like a televised DJ set, one hour. And what he'll do in those kind of sets is he'll just play all of his productions. Mm-hmm. So it's the blending of the two. Um, he killed it. He killed it, man. Just play Amy Winehouse acapella. Just play the whole fucking acapella. And like, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Man. Amazing. Yeah. I, he was one of my favorites in New York mm-hmm. at that time. I think that was my most, that was my favorite club era was the early 2000s, 2000s. 
mm-hmm. hearing him at Park mixing like Strokes and G Dap and Stevie Wonder and and Biggie and just mm. all of yeah. that. Well, shit, we DJ you know? together a lot in London. Yeah. over that period. So I guess like when you're saying there were other DJs like AM doing that kind of thing, I would put. I him mean, in we that were all category. doing. I mean, yeah. it, the thing is, just like if never, I guess it never blew up. You know, and just got famous and had all of these things happen. Everyone would be like, "Yo, that's the fucking G. Like he's the shit." Mm. And I'm not saying. AM is is no better than any of us, but he is. He, in the end, he was a working DJ. Well, it sounds like you know? he was the one that had the complete package. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just about. He was yeah. a working DJ. I mean, like the dude was like what three hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. And he got a stomach surgery, and he lost weight, and then he just started, you know, hanging out with. He was already doing celebrity parties though, but mm-hmm. he just became like more in the limelight. It's just one of those things where it's like. And was he born out of Hollerboard era? Like that, Probably, but he was. He put he, everybody on. He was right. before yeah. that. Before that, in right. LA, in the yeah. LA scene, he put Vice on. Right. He put. Yeah, I would say him and Stone Rock came up together. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fashion, he put up. He put a lot of people uh, on. I yeah. say he kind of mm-hmm. like um, brought back Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Was the, at the time nobody was like really looking for Jazzy Jeff, but wow. he put him back on, and Jeff, Jeff started working a little bit more, especially mm-hmm. in Vegas. So. Well, Jeff kind of infiltrated the. Like uh, yeah, like kind of the newer mashup mm-hmm. market when yeah. Jeff was just known as probably always doing his thing, but it's it's, it's almost like a Grandmaster Flash or any of these DJs right now. If they linked up with a high profile DJ, mm. they would infiltrate that market yeah. a little bit, and it's kind of what Jazzy Jeff yeah. Yeah. would happen with him. And you know, I played with Jazzy Jeff about a month ago in the UK. It was the first time I'd seen him play for a long time, and it was impressive, man. Yeah, <laughs> it was really oh, yeah impressive. Man, definitely, man. Yeah, it just whittled it he down to it, just right? the absolute bangers mm-hmm. of every genre and he's yeah. just so clean and so clean with it yeah very lots of kind of stems of stuff like right. studio stems acapellas and bits drums and stuff it, it was really good man i was yeah. super impressed every time that. i every time i hear him technically i'm just amazed at yeah. what he does and it's mm-hmm. so effortless and yeah. what he does mm. traveling as you have around everywhere what's your favorite favorite place to dj australia Australia. Really? Yeah. yeah. What is it? It's just a. I love it there for a start, mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's always been the best market for me outside of the UK. It's a, they have a very similar sense of humor to the British sense of humor, mm-hmm. and so much of what I do, it's almost a, it's almost equating to comedy. I did one tour where I had a instead of a DJ support me, I had a stand-up comedian. So we'd be in the club, <laughs> and then we cut out the music, and he'd do like twenty minutes uh, stand-up, and then I'd come on. I just oh. thought I'd, I'd try it out. <laughs> so you had a works. comedian, you would just yeah. play music in between. No, no, no. no. Like it, it, so there'd be like warm-up DJ, music stops, comedy for 20 minutes. I come on and do my show. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. How'd, How'd that go? It was, just one it was very mixed. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like the more cultured, intelligent places, Yeah. it killed. And then the opposite, vice well, versa. Well, do you, do you like kind of doing a more sophisticated, uh, yeah. quirky room like that? Yeah, I do. You do? I do. That's more, uh, it's way more satisfying to me to just feel like everyone's on a level. I can put some thought into some shit and it's not lost on people. You know? Yeah. Where it's not just I'm playing music. Like, people are, like, like you're saying about those kind of connections between songs, thinking about mixes, like go from this to this mm-hmm. because of this. Right. Mm-hmm that people are on the same level as you with that shit. Yeah. 
I do a lot of shit like that that's over people's heads the whole time I'm doing that. I'm like, did you see, notice the shit I just did? No, no, I bet you didn't. I did a, um, <laughs> I play, played at a ski festival in Austria uh, a couple of months ago, and it's pretty crazy there anyway. I did one set in an igloo on the top of a mountain in ice. The other set I did was in a butcher's shop surrounded by meat. And <laughs> they packed out this butcher shop with like 100 people, 200 people. Uh, and I played all meat-based <laughs> like like tim dog uh straight from the butcher's shop you know just yeah, double, yeah. doubling up with that uh, uh bdp beef just like finding meat songs <laughs> and i'm like playing and thinking this is over air. no people aren't even clocking this shit like right. this is just for me <laughs> and, like, i'm finding it funny and people don't even notice i think so, you can't like was it overestimate the crowds so what do you what it, what it, what what entertains you the most or what do you get the most out of just like putting these things together yeah man yeah, yeah. The, the the av shows i found it's a really nice to theme them so i have like a menu of shows that i can offer people i have mm -hmm. like one that's a history of video games so it starts with uh pong and pac-man and mm -hmm. works its way up yeah. to the current day of video games and all the music mm -hmm. makes sense so the tetris music with the tetris bit and yeah. mario music the all the that's cool the, sh the smith and western shit the samples the Ma uh, mario yeah. where you know all that shit <laughs> so it's all kind of themed and makes sense i've one show that's like best of sci-fi movies there's all alien and terminator and all that mm -hmm. um i have like a stranger things show I noticed that mixtape, yeah. Was that part with the, on Netflix hire you to do that or you did that on your own? I did it on my own. So the mixtape I did, the mixtape came first. Mm -hmm. I just finished watching the first season of Stranger Things and mm -hmm. the music choices were so good in it. Yeah, right. That I just mm -hmm. wanted to make a mix. Yeah. And I did, it's so funny, man. I did that mix in one afternoon and it's had more hits than anything. All the shit that I put like three years work into well, you, or whatever. You did, a, you did like a tour around it a little so, yeah, bit, the, right? So yeah, the, so the mix went viral. And so I put together an AV show and toured the, toured the AV show. Wow. Yeah, which was just like all bits from the, the series, but then also the, all the other movies that inspired it. and Or oh, 80s movies. 80s shit, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. all the music that's wow, that kind sounds, of relevant. That sounds awesome. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's a great show, man. I, I, I really enjoyed touring that one. And the tech side of that show was much more complex than other shit I've done. I worked with a VJ and we MIDI mapped the S9 so that... Mm -hmm. Um, all the shit that I was doing was affecting his visuals as well. And I can throw between his visuals and my visuals on the S9. So I could like cut in, scratch a bit from Stranger Things and then blend back into his visuals. It's a clever show. So you didn't expect anything out of this mixtape. You just like fucking put this out. Yeah, I've done loads of shit like that. I, you know, the albums take years to make. The mm. mixtapes can take anything from like two months right down to one afternoon yeah. that one i did in one afternoon and now it's had like a million plays that's crazy <laughs> that's fucking nuts yeah but i realize it's timing you yeah. know like people wanted a, wanted a collection of those songs at that time mm -hmm. i just did it before the netflix guys did <laughs> <laughs> did, they, did they did anyone from them hit you up or hear about it yeah i spoke to netflix about it and we talked about doing launch parties and nothing ever came through but nah. yeah. ah. <laughs> so when you approach a club night I mean, you'd rather do like a conceptual themed. The AV thing. shows are, are themed like yeah. that. I just find that other, I do have like a kind of non-themed AV show that I do, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's kind of when you when you don't have limits on genre or on anything, it's a bit overwhelming sometimes to think about what to play. Right. Because my digging for the AV shows is YouTube. 
Because you can't really read a crowd, right? Or no, can you? Well, you can, you can now. With the Serato video, the way it's set up, yeah. it's actually a lot more fluid. I can, if I feel like, oh, this crowd want, you know, want reggae, then I can go into reggae and make it work with the AV mm -hmm. um, or anything. But to sit in front of YouTube and think like, ah, oh, what's some cool shit? Right. <laughs> it's, it's too much. You know, where do you begin? Like, so I found that theming the AV shows is a good way of doing it. Um, and the DJ sets are much more, I just turn up, get a feel for the room and take it off in that direction. Do you feel like you still keep up with the new music? You just yeah. limit yourself with no Drake and no Rihanna? I just play what I like. There's always new shit that I like. Mm -hmm. With some of the new stuff. Yeah. You? I like Old Town Road. Really? Yeah. yeah. I like country shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. There's been some shit remixes of that though. Like yeah. some, really, some that really don't work. I mean, there's always a yeah. lot of shit remixes yeah, for any hit yeah. song, yeah. Uh, are you feeling like, uh, what, what are some of the bigger songs that's been coming out this year? I'm going to almost certainly say no to whatever you say, but to be honest, right really? now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this year has just been it's, a horrible yeah, year for music being kind of club music. Yeah. Last year was pretty bad, but there's I think better this year, underground hip hop now. Yeah. yeah. There's like better. Five albums, years ago, I wouldn't, there was not really underground hip hop that I like, but now there's definitely shit coming out. Yeah. That, that new, uh, Tyler, the creator, yeah. I mean, there's nothing for the club, but it's a really listenable and great album. Yeah. But yeah, no one's really making shit for clubs right now. No, none of that shit is, I wouldn't play any of that. I like all the kind of Alchemist produced stuff. So you're not I playing like, Alchemist you're not playing City Girls. <laughs> I'm not playing City Girls. <laughs> I'm up on it. Like I keep up on all the new stuff. I, okay. I, I, I would do that naturally. Even if yeah. I wasn't DJing, I'd want to know like yeah. all the new music mm -hmm. and stuff does come out that I like and I play yeah. it when it does. Or oh, like Cardi B, you're not fucking with Cardi B. Oh, Cardi B's okay. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I could see uh, him not liking Blueface, right? Nah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any uh, UK artists, do up and coming artists? Yeah, man. Well, the, like, the grime thing in the UK, I'd play that stuff more than I would play the, the big yeah. commercial. Yeah. It's fucking, stuff. it's fucking crazy out there with the grime, the UK it's, grime. It's, it's exploded in a way that it never did with UK hip hop, early, early grime stuff. It, this is this pop now. It's pop, pop. Like, it is now. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's good as well. Like Stormzy is wicked. Skepta is yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. Stormzy's dope. He's fucking yeah. amazing, man. Like that Vossy Bop, I play that. Yeah, That's yeah. new shit that I play. Yeah. And yeah. Skepta. You playing Bossy? Um, no, not really. Nah, you're not feeling that. What would you? What do you ask him? Bossy. Oh, Boasty. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, I definitely yeah, playing that. Man. Yeah. That's incredible. It's like Kalis? Bossy? Yeah, that's <laughs> no, what I thought no, you meant. No, no, I was no, just no, like, no, what no, are you asking me Yeah, Boasty. the Boasty I'm playing, and it's that's just such a DJ friendly song, man. Yeah. It's but it's def but that's that's definitely a, 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 to me, like an international record that the US would not understand. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. a great it, record, though. It's something that I know would hit in the UK. Oh, Huge it, and it's like borderline. It will hit with reggae and Afrobeat that yeah. crowd. In between, but it's the, so like I feel like the U I, the U S doesn't get it because of the the slang, like the kind of. I mean, have you guys been vocals? playing it? I've been playing it at the pools, but it doesn't. It. It's not hitting. Like, yeah, yeah, I love it. I think yeah. I, buy I love, love it too. Yeah. I, I, I played it last night. I played it last yeah. night. It could the be the marketing of the record. I don't know. Did you get any the video is amazing. You seen the video for it? No, no. Yeah, it's really dope. The video is very mm -hmm. dope. But there's just the, the fact that there's a acapella and an instrumental. Like you don't get that very much. Oh, they pushed the an acapella. And yeah, actually, man, an and official acapella. Yeah, wow. yeah, proper proper acapella of it, and it works really well. Mm. So wow. yeah, that's a that, you know that's got to be one of my favorite one of my top favorite records that's been released this year. I agree. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, I'm I a wanna, big Skepta fan, so. Skepta like, start, man. UK yeah. Grime is such, like, I don't know anything about it, but every time I hear it, I'm just amazed by it because yeah. it's so fucking uh, aggressive and raw. Yeah. And there's drill. You know about drill music? No. No, no. no what drill is, is like the underground, underground grime now because grime is now pop. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Dude, look up drill. I Layers. mean, I, I'll be honest, there's not too much of it. Are I'm, you And you're playing that? No. That's no? Not, not too it's much. too hard? Too hard. Really? Yeah, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Would, it's funny because when I hear UK grime, they're mm. almost sounding like they're rhyming off beat, but they're on beat. But they're yeah. kind of just talking. Mm-hmm. It's like mumble rap in a way. It's it's, it's like block on phone from the block. Break it down for me a little mm. bit more. If you, uh, when I went to London, there's there's like a Jamaican slash English accent accent that that's they have. How, there. That's how the kids speak now. Right, white kids, every kid. There's like a kind of so, hybrid Jamaican. So like hood, like hood motherfuckers would be like, yeah, big man ting, man. But like yeah. big man ting, and you're like, wait, what's this fucking Jamaican <laughs> or English? Yeah, it's that, it's that, it's that Jamaican influence in the UK. And it's it's funny mm-hmm. because, like in Toronto, there's also a like a kind of like Jamaican, mm-hmm. you know, uh, influence. Uh, uh, so when motherfuckers be talking about like Drake, the, you know, you don't like him, but he he'll like speak in like a Jamaican like kind a of accent, yeah, a little of, bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's kind of borderline Toronto. Yeah, UK. there's a Canadian. Yeah. There's a Canadian. Jamaican, yeah. British, but he kind he kind of mixes it up back and forth sometimes. Like he'll yeah. he'll a, fuck with it a, a lot. Of the people that I know in Britain will look at Drake with a raised eyebrow. Yeah. He kind that, of like you know? took a little bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's he kind of did that for the More Life album a little bit, right? Yeah, he, yeah. there was that one album because he was doing the Top Boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, he no. was definitely taking a little bit of that, but he was kind of. But you can't help but be influenced. Like the music, I grew up with pirate radio in the UK, and that was all. Dancehall, drum and bass. And so that style of emceeing, again, that kind of like super cat type. <laughs> right, yeah. Like that just infiltrates through everything. It infiltrates through pop music. It's just, is there everywhere in the UK in a way mm-hmm. that it isn't so much. You would see it in New York, but not so much in the rest of the States, right? I don't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I want to learn more about UK Grime, so I'm, mm. I'm gonna ask you maybe mm-hmm. for a couple, a couple uh, folders of that shit. Yeah, that man. shit is hard. JME, JME is my, my my favorite Grime MC. Probably mm. you know him. JME. No, I never heard of him. Skepta's brother. Oh, really? really? Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. just got more kind of. Um, he's a little more kind of comedic. I don't know. He's funnier. Yeah, Skepta's real Skepta's straight. straight. He's yeah. like he's like a kind of Nas type. You, I like that. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's ever gonna hit over here in this in the states? I can't predict this shit anymore. I got no idea. I don't th- feel like I have any gauge of what shit is gonna be popular or not. I got no idea. It surprised me that it's reached the level it has done. I don't really know which of the what are the kind of biggest grime tracks here that have ever like. Is there are there even Skepta tracks that you would have? played or Stormzy tracks that you at like maybe mm. two years ago mm. I think there was some UK grime records 
getting forwarded to people. Mm. But they never hit in the way that. But we, I never got a chance to play it. Mm. But I would hear my boys playing the shit, and it sounded dope. Mm. And I'd be like, yo, I need that. I don't yeah. remember the record, but they would send it to me. All I know that is it's definitely infiltrated this market in a way that the kind of British hip-hop of the 90s never did. Mm. That, none of that stuff hit here. I, I doubt you could even name a, an MC from that period. <laughs> yeah. okay. I can't. And it was huge. It was huge in the UK. You know, that was the, I mean, I'm talking about like Roots Maneuver. No. Black Twang. No. All no. these guys were like superstars. Name some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Parker. Lewis Parker's dope. If you, nah, no. Just knowing the kind of music that you guys would like, you would love it. For yeah. real. Yeah. I think Stormzy has potential. Yeah, man. To, he's, he's, a, he's a pop star. Yeah. yeah. Star. I love his song, man. Like the new one. Probably, it sounds a lot like Believe Me by Lil Wayne and Drake if you listen to the beat. Right. Very similar. So I think people gravitate towards it because of that a little bit. Mm. But I mean, just his flow, man. Like he's yeah. he's nasty. I always like my favorite MCs are the ones who I I just interested in anything that they say. Mm -hmm. You're like you don't get bored of hearing what they're saying. Yeah. And I put Stormzy in that category. I'm like listening to everything he's saying. I'm clocking it all. Yeah, like it's, yeah, he's just good. Uh, DJing in in the UK, like uh, the newer generation of DJs that you're seeing, uh, like what are you? I mean, I'm seeing some awful terrible shit man. <laughs> people playing off fucking ipads and controllers and, and stuff have you seen that a lot in the yeah, uk i've wow. seen that a lot man is it more about the image of yeah. being a dj yeah. than, than dj and it's more about the brand of like you get these kind of reality show stars uk reality show stars oh, so the same thing's happening same thing same yeah. thing um it's not about like there's this influencer uh yeah. takeover in the dj market yeah Mm -hmm. that's the same in the UK definitely because um, most of the stuff I do now the club scene in London isn't like how it used to be there used to be super clubs it would be Fabric Ministry of Sound mm -hmm. there were big venues mm -hmm. that doesn't exist anymore it's all tiny little places and really the big the market for it was the festivals the music festivals there are now like I think it's something like 600 music festivals in the UK every summer so my summer is like three, four, five music festivals every weekend bouncing around the country. That's where, all, that's where it's all going on. And they're booking these things in the same way that they probably book here, like looking at numbers of followers and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. So is there a generation though that, you know, there's, there's always an anti to what's going on? Is I there feel like there isn't at the moment. If there's no like, seen for anything at the moment is there there's no like what's the like most I'm, I'm noticing as at the same time i'm noticing in the u.s the influencer scene but i'm also noticing a, a very young turntable is seen that's coming up mm, there's, and, a, there's and a lot of that but none of that's the, the stuff yeah. that gets booked for clubs or anything i think it's slowly starting to i hope you're right yeah. <laughs> i do but i don't see any but you don't see these like that. virgining young djs coming up in uh in the uk not no, really not, not right yet. now man no it's tough mm -hmm. everyone finds their lane mm -hmm. there's like the dancehall guy there is the yeah the, mm -hmm. the guys that i know who are killing in the uk is the hip-hop karaoke guys so they just it's a karaoke thing but for hip-hop tracks with a with the mc and they go around they smash it everywhere man the festivals everywhere wow all kinds of parties and mm -hmm. that kills it interesting mm. uh, yeah <laughs> that's yeah. so crazy yeah. right now in uh in london 
Is there anywhere you're DJing that, like, you know, if we're out there, we could check you out, like on the yeah, I mean, weekly, it's, monthly, or it's whatever? It's no residency situation anymore. Yeah. I switch it up, and I just try and do as interesting stuff as possible. So my next big London show is the, the Natural History Museum, underneath the big dinosaur or whatever they have, like, kind of museum, kind of. <laughs> it's about, like, playing in interesting places yeah, yeah. more than it is, like, oh, there's this club that goes on every month. It's, it's more about finding interesting environments to play in and there's a lot of scope for that I've played in the British Library which is like the great thing it's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all, all that kind of stuff like, mm -hmm. that's what interests me is like taking turntables into places where you might not expect yeah. them yeah. so it's like you found this really great niche of like kind of corporate events a little bit right mm -hmm. yeah and then pushing that yeah I just love uh, introducing I mean on a, this is on an international level but I love introducing like uh, our listeners to just not the usual club festival. Well, exactly, uh, man. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's why I say, like, I heard a, a few episodes of your podcast. I was yeah. like, I've got stuff to say about this because it, there's a lot that we, in the Venn diagram of it, there's in the middle, there's a lot of shit that we share, like mm -hmm. experience wise, mm -hmm. music wise. But then I'm coming at it from a slightly different place. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just a bit weirder. And it, I don't know, it's, it's a different scene. And I think you guys are, it's fascinating what's going on here, but it's a bubble. And you're in a bubble. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. definitely in a bubble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we're also, you're talking to like three guys who have, who have uh, like, uh, we're borderline whores in the fact that, you know, we've actually submitted to what clubs want, what promoters want, mm. and what crowds want, you know. And I get that. I was trying to yeah. my, my, my about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, I totally get it, man. Like, it's, yeah, it's an industry. And it's a, it's a very specific one. It's a really specific scene out Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's fascinating to me because it's nothing like the world that I operate in. But it's great because I think what you've done is you've built a niche market for yourself that's, that's really built on uh, you being as true to yourself as possible. Yeah. So if you stay on, if, if your target for marketing is just to make sure you're doing stuff that's, you know, authentic to you mm. you're never then you really create your own lane naturally you're, yeah you're never going to be yeah. off market you know what i mean it's I not know. like yeah so and it's and like i say first of all it's the only way that i could stay sane doing mm -hmm. this for this long yeah it is to stay authentic like that but also just in the amount of time that i do it i've seen djs start and burn themselves out mm -hmm. and disappear c countless times mm. happened a lot with dubstep really <laughs> <laughs> You're going to blame the U.S. again? What are we doing? No, no, this is a not, not, not a U.S. problem, a British problem. But, it, you know, people come up, ally themselves to a very specific sound or a scene. And then it, because they've done that, when that scene becomes un, unfashionable, their career's over. I've seen that also as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I and think that's we've why all seen it, that a bit here. Yeah, and that's why I found city. that, like, if I don't immerse myself in any of those scenes and kind of navigating through it or making my own path, then... I want to be in this for the long haul, man. You got nothing yeah. to worry about. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, when you get, a lot of the time, I mean, it's not, it can also be like the lifestyle of the nightclub scene. Mm -hmm. Like a corporate event, way to go, is definitely a healthier line of work. Yeah, physically. Physically, mm -hmm. yeah. and just the people you're around, they're mm -hmm. not like toxic people yes. in the nightclub. Because yes. being in a nightclub, you're just around toxic fucking people mm -hmm. I mean, and maybe I that's what you're talking about with the dubstep scene uh, no, I, no, no. I, but I totally agree with what you're saying you're being too polite about it though like just you're surrounded by dicks yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're surrounded by a bunch of shit. You're about, uh, surrounded by like uh, I couldn't believe drugs and like liquor and just yeah. Yeah, I mean, some I'm, guy came up to me last night and just tapped me on the shoulder and was just like Stormzy. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> How about hi? <laughs> How about excuse me? Could you play some? <laughs> just none of that. Just Stormzy. Well, he knows who you were then, huh? Oh, I don't know, but like, I don't know. I no just... one requests Stormzy. I know, either. yeah, especially yeah, in Vegas. Know, like, yeah, it's Yoda from UK. <laughs> I guess Stormzy. He, yeah, he must have known us. How you, I would have been like, hey, you don't see that as like, hey, UK brother. I'm like, no, I say that as like, be polite, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 oh man. Imagine, yeah. You need to, what you need to do is do an uh, like an experiment. Stay here for a month and do a, a like. A, I think I would uh, go insane. <laughs> do a do social like, experiment. Real yeah, quick. social experiment. <laughs> DJ like that should be like a game show or like a reality show. Yeah. To DJ in Vegas three nights a week for, for a month for two months. Two months. I couldn't do it. Two months. I couldn't do what you guys do. I, I think, respect I you for it. I respect you for it. In all honesty, it'll be like I Survivor. Think. It would be like Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> like losing weight and just <laughs> drinking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there's, there's plenty of positives with it. You know, I, I, I couldn't believe what was really weird for me last night was finishing DJing at 3 a.m. And the food and drink options at that time yeah. were so fucking dope, man. In, in the UK, you finish at three in the morning. You're like, ah, there's there's not even a McDonald's. There's nothing. You you know, not in Vegas. Not in Vegas, man. I had a fresh coconut. I was like, what? this is crazy. Man. The only thing open in London late night is uh, like a euro, like gyro places, right? Yeah, ke- kebabs. Kebabs, yeah. And they, I, they're, they're like everywhere. Yeah. And you, you don't like that or you're just tired of it. No, you know, you know these spots. They're not where you, you don't want to be eating them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like French fries <laughs> and gyros and just, yeah. and uh, yeah. They and have guys, these, like, they call them the elephant legs spinning in the window. You know, they're yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. like big hunk of meat yeah. on the thing. The, yeah. The, gy- <laughs> the nasty, gyro man. shits. The gyro shits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was one to say everyone shits on the food in, in, uh, mm. in London. Yeah, well, are you, so are you going to back it up? Or well, first of all, like 10, 15 years ago, that's fair. Yeah. Um, it's changed, but the difference is that you need to know where you're going. Mm. You need your man on the ground. Mm-hmm. The, like I would take you to the spots and yeah, it's yeah. incredible food. But if you just went, yeah, if you went to one of those kebab places yeah, or just you didn't know where you're going, yeah, there's still a lot there of There was shit. one day when I was by myself. Mm-hmm with mo at late night and there was and we were like there's the fucking food sucks here mm. and, but i think we were if you like, went to the wrong place yeah we were just in the wrong area. you said totally like have fish and chips yeah but even we didn't even want to eat it we were just like this is fucking Filth. it was like the cliche shit of like yo london has the fucking worst food and <laughs> yeah. the whole shit no but there then, were like, the inc- next two days we we're hanging out with locals right and we were having like amazing fucking there were incredible yeah. spots you just need to know them yeah yeah but yeah, I just want to know, like, from your yeah, I'm like a food obsessed. This is the whole like for me, it's the like best thing about getting to travel around the world every mm-hmm. week is just mm-hmm. eating everywhere. <laughs> 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 like getting to eat in Tokyo, you know, getting to eat in Sydney, getting to eat in Cape Town. Like, that's a Milo should have taken you to like a dim sum breakfast or something out here. Yo, you know what I looked up before I uh, got to Vegas or yeah. got to America was like um, I just googled like what were all the restaurants in the um, uh, ugly delicious do you ever see that thing yeah yeah the momofuku guy yeah yeah so mm-hmm. just yeah. all the places he ate at i was like because there's a couple in vegas he's mm-hmm. got he's got a restaurant here and then there's some noodle place in vegas that he went to in the show chinese uh, there's a there's a few mm-hmm. out here yeah mm-hmm. yeah don't listen to that shit <laughs> 
And text me next time. I'll take you to some dope spots. Yeah, yeah. 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 Chengdu, we, um, he would love know, Chengdu. Yeah, Baku. Yeah. There's a bunch of spots out here. Monta. Oh, yeah. God. My, my mistake good. in America every time is I have the breakfast like, like the one I had this morning. Yeah. And then I'm just not hungry again the whole day. And I'm like, ah, oh, I ate too much. I've ruined, my, ruined it. There's too many places. I need. Like having one night in New York the other night was stressful for me. I've got one, one dinner in New York. Where do you go? Like if you've only get yeah, one yeah, New York yeah. dinner per year. That's true. Mm-hmm. I can't That's remember true. where I went now. I'm with a pizza. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the, uh, real quick, mm. uh, to the cut and paste mixtapes mm. and uh, cassette tape. You go. Are you going to continue that? or? I don't really know at this stage. Like the, it seems I, like a legacy thing, though, you know? Yeah, I, I'm sure I will at some point. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed making this last album, the Home Cooking album one. It's much more... Um, I'm much prouder of it than anything that I've done before. It's accomplished in a different way. They're not beats anymore. They're like songs, mm-hmm. songwriting musicians. I recorded half of it at Ronson's place, half of it at Abbey Road. Oh, and, wow. And all these like musicians were serious caliber musicians. And I was treating the, the stuff I was recording like samples. So like cutting up stuff they'd done and just approaching it with like a kind of hip hop producer mentality. And that it was just a really great way of doing stuff. Like I, I would start with these demos by making a hip hop beat with a sample, but by the time I layered all this stuff on top of it, I'd whip the sample away at the end. So mm-hmm. it's just been a good technique for doing stuff. And it's kind of use it as a starting point, right? Yeah. And now it's kind of given me a taste for taking that even further. So I, I'm going to get into more production. How stuff is like the that. sound quality? Like, I don't you know. know. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, recording in like, Oh, Abbey, Abbey Road, Road it, yeah. I mean, incredible, man. Incredible. Do you hear it? Yeah. It's like I say, man, I don't notice this stuff very often. Yeah. So it has to be something pretty extreme for me to notice it. And yeah. It, what it, did you notice it with, like vocals or just this? We recorded a lot of vocals there. We recorded cello there, a lot of percussion. And is it, it the mixing board? Like, it's what is the it? engineer. It is. The engineers that I dealt with there were like on a different level to anyone else that I've dealt really? with. They just set the shit up right. They mm. really know what they're doing. And the, the the material that I took away from those sessions, mm-hmm. you listen to it in comparison to other stuff I've recorded. I was like, oh wow, this is yeah, this is something else. So that was definitely at the top. And frankly, like just getting to say to all the musicians that I wanted to record with, it's at Abbey Road. Yeah. It makes them come out. Like I did mm-hmm. one track with Omar on this album, and just so I was like, Omar, Omar Abbey Road. He's like, okay, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you're like, hey, come to my studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, he's saying, you, yeah, come to Mark Ronson's studio is not bad either. That's not right? bad too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know about the mixes. Like I, I will always make mixes like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, it, it, I like the theming of it. So I did the country and Western one. I did one that was all like 1930s music, but mm-hmm. mixed with beats and stuff. So when a, like a topic comes up that piques my interest, then that's when I'll make the next one. Yeah, awesome, great. Yeah. Well, like uh, if we're gonna kind of close it all up, but uh, if there was a you know a list or a couple UK DJs that you would recommend us seeing or <laughs> trying to get on the podcast, who do you think it would be? Wow, I mean, my favorite DJ. British DJ is David Rodigan. Mm-hmm. Do you know about him? Mm-hmm. No, never heard of him. So a uh, white guy that's about, uh, he must be in his late 60s. He's played reggae since he was a kid. Wow. And his, th- it's all about dub plates. It's all about specials. Uh, but the passion that he brings to it, mm-hmm. he's, he's like 68, jumping all over the place, screaming on the mic, standing on the turntables and shit. Sounds no like way. Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's, it's not a technical DJ, but just to watch someone with that passion is incredible every time. So, wow. shit, yeah, he's my favorite. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Hey, Yoda, is there anything you want to No, uh, No, no I, I, we, we got to cover a good, yeah, good I, range I mean, of stuff. It's man. definitely yeah, a pleasure having you on yeah, here, man. Thanks for coming through. Thank you for having me. I, and, I really uh, appreciate know, Apologies it. in advance for any other whatever American gripes uh, <laughs> you have. Just make sure you apologize for being American to okay. every Brit you speak definitely. to and you'll be good. <laughs> okay, definitely. Man. I appreciate it. Uh, he didn't really shit on America too much. Honestly. Just the beginning. Uh, just the beginning. If I listen to it again, there were probably a little, those little British <laughs> Some flakes. Some The darts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> British darts. Yeah, a little bit. He was just tossing it a little bit. But yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Good to have you, man. Uh, big shout out to DJ Yoda. Thank you for coming through, man. Thanks, yeah. sir. Thank you guys. And then um, if you want to see the video, every Friday we're showing the videos on YouTube. It's going to be youtube.com slash road podcast. And the episode was brought to you by DJ City. Mm-hmm. Definitely check out djcity.com. And uh, we out. Peace. Sure. Peace. Peace.